And of course, I'm looking over and my 3D printer is going nuts. Is it? Go I can't hear it though. So. Uh, you can't hear it, but I can see it's lifted a couple of parts off. So I'm gonna. Oh. <laughs> oh do anything great time to start the show. Uh, I can cancel it from here. So. There you go. Cancel. Yes, cancel. Go. Z up. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, it butchered that. Caught it before it spaghettied, but it all curled up on itself and it was ready oh, to like grab. like a dead spider. Yeah. Yeah, dead spider. I think that's the appropriate one. <laughs> oh, the joys of 3D printing. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 227? I... I'm assuming. I'm guessing. Hold on. Wait, wait. 227. You're once week live show for the latest beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. And I'm Steve O'Malley. <laughs> Welcome to the show, all. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in the replay on... Good Lord. Or over in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. It's going to be an incredibly smooth show. Uh, if you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment. Tonight, there will be some Star Trek. We read all mm -hmm. Super Chats on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. We drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the Super Secret Chat or the even more Super Secret After Party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve... All the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. And we are awesome. We are we awesome. Are. We're awesome. I mean, not to toot my own horn or anything. I'm not. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. It's objectively, we're awesome. Yeah. Just. Ah, uh, how you doing tonight, Steve? Pretty good. I mean, I think we're discussing. You know, we're doing good, but we're tired, which, uh, you know, any, any, uh, I'm out of coffee, middle-aged, middle-aged adult with kids is going to feel right. You know? <laughs> yes. So that's my second uh, coffee of the night, by the way. And I'm still <laughs> yeah. just like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, I took a, I took a bunch of, uh, B complex boosters about a, about an hour and a half ago. We'll see if that kicks in. Yeah. Usually makes me feel a little better. Ooh. But Hey, you know what? I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Still going to be a good show. We will. Still going to uh, be a good show. We will make it happen one way or the other. Uh, the Raspberry Pi community, or one user in particular, proves that 1984 can live on even today. Uh, let's see. Google casually announces Steam for Chrome OS. Mm -hmm. Direct storage is now available on Microsoft, at least the A or on Windows, at least the API is. Uh, Intel CPU is about to get a little bit slower again, thanks to Spectre V2. Uh, Microsoft might have accidentally revealed that ads are coming to Windows 11 in the File Explorer. You know, the thing that I've said has been coming for the last, like, five years because yeah. we haven't done anything and they've kind of lulled us into, like, oh, that's just what Windows does now. Yeah. Uh, they already display ads on the welcome screen. They already display <laughs> ads in the start menu. Guess what? File Explorer is next. Uh, Bush Mills put out a whiskey. Uh, they always put out whiskeys. Yeah. I think you get a free whiskey. Oh, you get a free whiskey. Okay. You get whiskey. Yes. Or free, I think it's free cocktail or free whiskey. I can't remember which. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, for, for ye olde St. Patty's Day. 
Hi. Yes, for Saint Patrick's. Yes. I won't. I won't do the Irish accent just because uh, I know people over there and I suck at it. <laughs> you don't want to insult them. I don't want to insult them. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I don't do accents, just voices. Uh, Budweiser debuts a new Supreme beer, and Super Nintendo World is coming to the U.S. Very cool. Uh, Steve, besides tired, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> good, good. Old buddy, old I pal. My, I got my little my little hat going on here. It's tucked into my headset, so it's not going to fall off for a while. I'm loving the hat. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Stylish. That's... I know we're a day early, but uh, yeah, got a little St. Patrick's Day mood going on here. You know what? It's St. Patrick's Day my... somewhere. Yeah, I got my mug here. Yes. There you go. Yeah. See, I'm all, I'm all decked out. <laughs> I'm not so decked out. I'm not even wearing green. Well, I mean, well, I mean I'm, I'm a little early. Month. I'm a little early. Like some people, they just they just can't wait for Christmas. They they decorate like a whole month early. I, I'm I'm that for St. Patrick's Day. I'll start you know dyeing everything green a couple weeks before, paint my fingernails green, all those kind of green things. Zachary, Just start start drinking whiskey. Zachary, hitting us with his monthly ten percent tithe. Oh wow, Zachary, five hundred bucks. Whoa. <laughs> Let's start the night off right, ladies and gentlemen. I think I need some Irish whiskey now. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna grab some Irish. Let's see what I got? Um, know what I've got? I've got. You got some Jameson cast strength stuff. Um, well, I had some Jameson 18 last year. Oh. And uh, I I had mostly polished off the bottle, but I decided to add like the last like two fingers of the bottle into mm-hmm. my Infinity bottle. Oh, nice. And that Infinity bottle is magical. So I think... You still have some in there. In honor of Zachary and in honor of uh, St. Patty's Day, I'm going to pour myself a little finger out of my Infinity bottle. There you go. Hold on one sec. Yeah. No, we keep trying to get Jeff to have a pickle beer. Uh, John gave him one. And every time Zach puts up a, a really nice super chat, we always try to egg him on to have the pickle beer, but yet he still refuses. He still refuses. And it's not that bad, honestly. It's not that bad. Even if you don't like pickles, it's not that bad. All right, he's back. All right. So we can we can we can quit talking about how much of a wussy is for not drinking that pickle beer now. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, this is my infinity bottle. Uh this is a uh decanter that I got for Christmas, I think in 2017, right after I started the channel. And this has actually been on the shelf, like behind my studio in every single studio since yes, December 2017. Been, yeah, 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 it's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, so this has been my infinity bottle since then. And it's the, uh, you know, give an ounce, take an ounce kind of thing. Yeah. So I'll pour myself a, a good little measure of that. Get this night started right. Uh, Steve, yeah. what are you drinking? Okay, so I, you know, I'm not 100% sure if I had this before on the show, but I, I, I grabbed it because I was kind of in the mood for a New England IPA. So I have Synonymous from Kushwa, Kushwa Brewing. I know I had two cans of it, and I could only find one, so I might have had it before, but I can't remember. Ugh, that's kind of the, the downfall of uh, drinking a lot of beer. Uh, you forget things. And second of all, this one I'm, I'm most excited about. 
this is a great notion. It's called unbeatable. We got uh, a gorilla riding a rhinoceros on the on the can there. Looks awesome. This is a um, this is a 12.2% barley wine uh, that's uh, with vanilla and coconut. So it's a vanilla coconut barley wine. Very excited about that one. And uh, last but not least, and this is just in case I run out, which I don't think I will tonight, but we'll see. Uh, Silver Falls Brewing, which isn't too far from where I live. Got the Starry Night, just their stout. We'll see how that goes. I haven't had it. We'll see. Very cool. Uh, so I'm obviously starting off with uh, my Infinity Whiskey. Uh, and a couple of people are asking, what the heck is in an Infinity bottle? Um, for those it's like the Infinity Stones. If you collect them all, you can like right. stop time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whew. There we go. Uh, an Infinity Bottle is a fifth of whiskey that every whiskey bottle that you get down to like the last ounce of, you just pour that bottle into your Infinity Bottle. Uh, the ones that you like, not the ones that you like yeah. bought and went like, nah, that's for friends who come over. Yeah. No, the bottles that you like, the last ounce you put into your infinity bottle until you fill it up to a fifth. And then the idea is that it's gathered all of the whiskey flavors that you enjoy. Yeah. And then once you have a full fifth, if you pour an ounce out, you give an ounce back to the bottle uh, of, of another bottle. And so you would take another whiskey that you like. So say like, you know what? The infinity bottle is pretty good, but I want a little bit more spice. So I'm going to add an ounce of rye to it. And, uh, it becomes your favorite whiskey. Yeah. Because uh, it's got an amalgam of all the flavors that you enjoy. Right. And so yeah. this is a lot of, um, like I said, there's like two fingers of, of Jameson 18 in here. That, that's <laughs> how I kind of kickstarted this uh, this last year. Um, there's a lot of rye in here. So it's, it's a spicier and thinner mm-hmm. type whiskey. Um, it doesn't have a lot of legs. Uh but it's just tasty. <laughs> like it's got all those really nice flavors that I like um, without being like just too bourbon or honey or, or caramely or right. things like that. It's, it's obviously nothing that you can buy off the shelf. Right. This is my the sad personal thing is, is, favorite is if, is if you enjoy it, like this is the only time you're going to, cause it, next time you pour something, it's going to be slightly mm-hmm. different, but close, but it's still going to be something you enjoy. So correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tekoki sends over $50 drinking an Imperial Stout from Kokendorfer uh, Brewing Company Orkendorf. out of Duncan, Oklahoma. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, good Cheers. sir. Cheers. Absolutely. And TechEco1 sends over $75. Only thing I have at work tomorrow is an afternoon meeting. So for the first time ever, I'll be here for the whole show. Good evening, Jeff and Steve. Keep up the great show and great news. Oh, cheers. Cheers Although to I don't, that. I don't have anything in my... Steve, what the heck? <laughs> I gotta I have to rectify that. This is a a travesty. Hmm. A tragedy. Oh man. Okay, this is foaming up way too fast. So I've got a couple of beers that I have never tried before. Okay. Um so from New Image Brewing is the double double double. <laughs> this is a triple That's... triple dry hopped double IPA. Oh, I thought it was going to be like uh, uh, in and out flavored. The double double. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the double. Uh, it's, animal, it's, animal style beer. It's Simcoe Strata and Idaho Gem Hops. 
and it is triple dry hopped with those three hops. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, I think this is like 9.4, 9.5. That's going to be good, because if it's got a nice, sweet, malty flavor, that's going to go awesome. Um, to tell you how much I'm looking forward to this beer, uh, I actually found this beer on clearance. They were Where at? Uh, at my local place that I buy beer at. Is it still there? It's <laughs> Can not. I, get some? <laughs> I bought the Dang. last two cans. Ah. Um, they were clearancing it for six dollars a pint. Okay, so that was like uh, half price. <laughs> I, I I did find actually this was they had, I, and I haven't tried it yet. Uh, they had the Firestone Walkers Dulce de Leche Stout. Ooh, but it was it was like three dollars for a six pack. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was it was what? two two ninety five for a six pack. I swear it was a clearance. It was a clearance. <laughs> so I'm like, I gotta get some. It's three dollars for. You don't what? see that anywhere anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my local store is amazing because mm-hmm. about once every two to three weeks they will clearance out a bunch of beer that mm-hmm. has sat on their shelf for a month, and yeah. and it's just to make room for new beer to come in. It's not like yeah, it didn't sell was, very yeah. well. It's just that, you know, we've had this one for a month. Let's let's cycle it out and let's get the next case in. And uh, so we get stuff like this, uh, where this is probably a fantastic beer. Oh, I hope so. Clearanced for $6 a pint. Uh, but I find great stuff there all the time. I mean, 9% for $6 a pint is is really good. Yeah. I mean, you, you pay for that at a tap house, that's going to probably be at least mm-hmm. nine dollars i would say for for uh 12 ounce yeah around that or 16 ounce i'd say because usually they only give you eight ounce pours right at about six bucks for eight ounce right or something about nine percent yeah. yeah so yeah if you were going to a tap house this is a phenomenal deal yeah let's see nicola wants to know so if i had a red breast 21 pot still whiskey and it would and it would be my dram sure what that's Sorry. Uh, <laughs> look at look at the head on this thing. Look at this. <laughs> it just <laughs> and it doesn't want to go away. This is like this is like cartoon beer. This is like the beer you see like in cartoons. Yeah. Where the head just kind of sits there. Yep. Ha! <laughs> uh, huh. Sneeze every time. Intake the first sip of whiskey. Yeah. Typically, my first sip will either get me a sneeze or it will like just make my mouth water like crazy yeah you get you get that feeling yeah yeah you get that little feeling in your tonsils Mm -hmm. and uh after that i love straight whiskey but Mm -hmm. that first sip always just hits me a little fun oh that is delicious uh hey jeff how's the healing process and soreness going um feeling significantly better uh, or at least I was until this morning. Uh, I spent uh, a couple hours hunched over <laughs> doing doing random things, and by noon I'm going, oh, I should not have done that. Oh, I was feeling so much better. <laughs> um, but yeah, significantly better. I'm moving around a lot easier now. Thank you. I would not wish this injury on anyone. Um, it's like a broken rib, but it takes like three times as long to heal from. Oof. So yeah. And and slightest movements can just like send you all the way back to the beginning. I've done that a couple of times already, where I've just overdone myself ever so slightly. Yeah. And uh, nope, back to square one. Yeah, I kind of did something. Well, I, I didn't have that that bad of a pain, but 
my parents were moving recently and I went over to help them. And so <laughs> like the very first thing they asked me to pick up, I like, I, I like pulled my back very first thing. <laughs> it's okay. Like, John oh, lost a finger. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> John, <laughs> you got off easy. Of. My friend. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, wait, what happened? Uh, I, uh, I have what's called a xiphoid process injury. It is the bit of cartilage and connective soft tissue at the very base of your sternum. And apparently I damaged it or dislocated it or did whatever else. And because it's all soft tissue, there's no real muscle there, but it's all connected to muscles. Um, it strains everything around that. And so the entire bottom of my rib cage uh, literally feels like I've been punched about a thousand times. Um, it's kind of isolated itself on the right side, right underneath my, my bottom two ribs. Um, and it just feels like a knotted muscle. And in fact, you can feel the knot in the muscle sometimes there from it pulling back and then it's slowly stretching back, uh, to where it wants to be naturally. So yeah, don't do that. I don't know how I did it, but I don't want to do it again. <laughs> it that's the worst part. It's like you don't know how it happens, so you don't really know how to prevent it. So right, right. Yeah, it's all no fun. Yeah, I I started noticing it because uh, baby X was would sleep on my chest, uh, and right around January, I would lay his head down here on my chest, and right where he laid his head, it just hurt, and I couldn't have his head laying right there in the center of my chest. I'd have to either pull him up or push him down, and uh, and that feeling just got worse and worse and worse, and and eventually it's like man, like, did I get shot in the liver and I don't know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a hole in that? Yeah. Not fun. Anyway, uh, enough about me. Let's get into Let's the get news. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with what turned out to be kind of the title story of today's video, and that is the Raspberry Pi brings 1984 into 2022. What do we mean by that? Well, uh, Steve, this is a little bit beyond me, but did you ever have an 8086 or an 8088 Intel? No, I know it still would have been the, early for 80s, you too. Yeah, yeah, and well, see, my dad worked for uh, Deck. He worked for Digital. Okay, and uh, we we had a lot of the VAC systems in there, which I don't know which processor they had back then. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was Intel. Maybe it was. Or it might have been a proprietary. I have no idea. Yeah. I was I was kind of young. There was lots of proprietary something. gear still floating around yes. Er yes. early to mid 80s. So I I'm thinking that it wasn't an Intel, but we did have stuff in the house. And they were huge, man. Those towers were do you think full towers are big? <laughs> no. Oh man, dude. They were they were yeah. giant. I mean, I was smaller back then, so maybe I, it was. I, just I love how like but... everyone thinks of like huge towers as what yeah. is technically called mid-case mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a reason it's called mid-case. Is it's yes. less than three feet tall. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had the gigantic floppies, the the the, 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 oh, yeah, the seven inch floppies or something. Yeah, eight inch. Yeah, there was eight, eight five yeah, and a quarter, and then five and, and then three yeah. and a half. Yeah. The giant eight inch floppies, yeah. Good times. Good. Well, uh, an industrious tinkerer managed to get an 8086 Intel processor working natively over the bus with a Raspberry Pi 4 with a custom hat. Um, and this is not emulating the process of an 8086. That's been done before and could probably be done in emulation on the Raspberry Pi. No problem. 
way faster than it's being mm -hmm. done with real hardware. Because as we find out, there's limitations of the bus, there's limitations of the voltage delivery, um, and even power delivery going to this ancient CPU. Uh, that's 38 years old at this point. Uh, so, or sorry, 1978. So it's 44 years old at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty old. Yeah. Um, so basically what this guy has done is wire each pin individually into the Raspberry Pi and then be able to interface with those pins from the bus of the Pi. He's able to run native x86 code from the Raspberry yep. Pi, essentially using the, x, the 8086 as a coprocessor. Now, it is not without its limitations, uh, mind you. Uh, the 8086 was originally clocked at, I believe, 10 megahertz. Um, he has his managing to run at about 0.3 megahertz. Mm. Yes, so an order right. of magnitude slower, but yeah. it does run and natively execute x86 code. Yeah, he got MS-DOS running on that sucker. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good old MS-DOS. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I forget the guy's full name, but Grosset is his last name. Looking yeah, Grosset, Grosset. Yeah. Robin Grosset. Robin Grosset, thank he's, you. Yeah, you can look it up on Twitter. He's up there. Yep. He's got, he's got uh, pictures of it and... I think he explains it a little bit more on Twitter. Yes. Um, but I love these old projects like this. I, I love yes. repurposing old hardware or reviving old hardware with new technology. Mm. It's, it's super exciting. Um, some people say it's pointless, but you can't, you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. And, and even right. going back in CPU technology 44 years to go back to the 8086 mm. CPU, which is the root of x86 execution. Right. Um, it's it's kind of hard to know the full arc of history and then where do we go from here? Um, now we've gone through a couple major breaks over history as far as standards go. Um, most famously, when we finally hit the AT standard, the the IBM, AT standard, uh, and that's when you started seeing IBM or PC compatible. It was because they finally standardized on what a PC should be, what slots it should run, what the uh, language and, and pinouts of the slots should be. Right. That's when ISA became a standard. That's when the power delivery became a standard. Standard, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the mid-90s, we standardized on ATX as a power delivery. And so instead of a instead of a momentary switch on the, or sorry, a permanent switch on the power supply to deliver power and then the PC just shot on, off. Um, we had relays on the motherboard which would trigger the power supply to kick on or off. And that's still what we use today is the ATX yep. power standard. Uh, but we've gone from MS-DOS and OS2 warp to, to Windows 95 on the, uh, uh, on the DOS kernel to NT and any flavor of Linux, and now we're oh, here. Yeah. Like, all started with the 8086, and this guy has one running on a hat on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I had this. I had this book that was. Uh, I, I might still be available to to, to read, but it's called. Uh, I think it's called PC Roadkill or something like that, and it's basically the history and stories mm -hmm. uh, of of the early you know computer days like uh, you know 80s uh uh 
to, to early nineties and about, uh, you know, just kind of the crazy stuff that they did to, to make things work. Like how Seagate once fooled investors by having boxes filled with bricks to make them think they had a bigger inventory than they did uh-huh. <laughs> stuff like that. Yes. You know, it's pretty, pretty fun read. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite tidbits of technology is the maximum PC article that detailed the race to one gigahertz. Um, and, uh, I still have this magazine in actual magazine form. I have it out in my garage, but, uh, this is actually the magazine article itself and AMD beat Intel to the punch to one gigahertz. Um, and it's something not a lot of people remember, uh, because you've got, you know, the notable CPUs down here, you've got the 8088, you've got, uh, the Intel 286, 386, 486, and up through the, you know, the, the lower echelons where the Wright brothers used to fly. Uh, and then you get up into the hundred megahertz and higher, you've got the original Pentium hitting a hundred megahertz, then 133, then 200, then 233. And then the funny thing is from a 97, March of 2000, uh, we went from 300 megahertz to one gigahertz. Yeah, it was so fast. Yeah. I remember that. It, I remember when the gigahertz first coming out and just people being so excited. Right. And um, envious of anybody who had one. It, it was insane to be around that time and and watch the speeds increase at such an insane amount. Uh because when we say 300 megahertz to 900 megahertz, we are talking more than triple the speed in yeah. less than two years. It was it was kind of the height of the joke where people would say like, "Oh, I bought this is this is the fastest computer you can get, right?" As yeah. soon as they walked out the store, they're like, "Oh, here's the new and improved one." It's the one. fastest computer <laughs> you could get until you get it home, and then there's yeah, a new exactly, one. Yeah. Like it was seriously were, that fast, just like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's ones in here uh, in the history that are like month over month, they're jumping each other by a hundred megahertz. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's uh, May 97 to January 98, we only went up 33 megahertz. Uh, yeah, 550.99 to March of 2000. We went from 550 to one gigahertz. We doubled in... <laughs> 15 months. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> no, sorry. Nine months. We went from 550 to 1 gigahertz in nine months. Nine months. Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Moore's Law and Overdrive. That's 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, all you people going, you know, what, we only got a 9% improvement on, on Zen 3 over Zen 2? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what a leap is. You have no. Ah, <laughs> oh, those were fun times. It was. Well, it was also a time of just like, I just bought this. Ah, yeah. damn it. It's can't. Uh, the first computer I built brand new from parts that I ordered was a an Athlon, uh, or an AMD K2 Plus. It was a 466 megahertz. Um, so it was, uh, that's still, I think it was still socket seven even. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, I think mine was socket seven. Yeah. yeah. The one that I I paid by myself, the, the ones previous, 
I think I cobbled together mostly from borrowed parts from work and other things like that. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I think that was the first one that I, or something similar to that. Yeah. That I actually, I, I had paid for it. I myself. had cobbled together, uh, the first computer that I cobbled together from parts that I bought, but they were used parts, was a 486DX2. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Me too, yeah. I, I had then cobbled together a Pentium 2 a couple of years later. The first one that I paid for with money out of my pocket that was brand new parts was the, the 466 K, K62 from AMD. And it was still socket seven. <laughs> like it was, oh, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Um, had an AGP video card, eight megabytes. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Eight, well, it's like, yeah. It's like, this is going to scream. Yeah. So yeah. But I bought it when it was 450 megahertz. Yeah. <laughs> It did did not take long to that get broken. No, I I, no. I think that PC might have been around a thousand dollars in parts. I think I sold it a year and a half oh, later for like two fifty. Yeah, we complain about how expensive parts are now, but back then they were they were pretty ridiculous yes. how expensive it was. Yeah. I mean, we complain now that it costs like you know a little over a thousand dollars to build a PC now, but back then it was about what twenty five hundred. Yeah, if, if for, you for a went really good system, right? If you went into Future Shop or Comp USA or sorry, yeah. I'm naming all the stores that don't exist anymore. Circuit City, <laughs> Circuit uh, City, yeah. Yeah, if you walked into one of those stores, uh, PCs would start at like eight hundred dollars, and that was for the eMachines Duron that was right. guaranteed to last only about eight months. Yeah. Uh, it's and, all stuck together with bubble gum, and right? And then glue. the good machines started at about 2000 and it was not unheard of to see like $4,200 sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, that was late 90s money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was not like, they were not cheap. <laughs> that was brand new house for $79,000 money. Yes. yes. And, and that, that was why that was so infuriating that as soon as you get it, mm -hmm. you know, a couple months later, something something faster comes out. Mm -hmm. You're like, and then, and then the price of that which you paid just four grand for is now like maybe worth half that maybe two yeah like yeah. a year later it's literally 50 yeah. percent. yeah it just the, the value of it just tanks so fast oh yes good times uh google teased that uh just kind of casually threw it out there hey yep. you know what's awesome steam you know, it'd be even awesomer it was great. if it could run on Chrome OS. Of course. Yeah. Why not? Every every uh, elementary age and high school age kid that's got those Chromebooks that they have to do their homework on. Yep. Like, ah, I can't put Steam on it. Yeah. But now you might be able to. Oh, you can. Yeah. Uh, Steam is coming in alpha to some supported Chromebooks. At the moment, uh, they are limiting you to Intel i5 or i7 processors and at least eight gigabytes of RAM. They say seven, but you're not going to have seven. You're either going to have four, yeah. eight, or 16. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that excludes a lot of Chromebooks. Although I will yeah. say I have a Chromebook that meets those specs because last year I bought my wife a Lenovo Chromebook. Uh, we were looking for a laptop for, her, and uh, I I said, do you need a Windows laptop or like what do you need the laptop for? Well, I just need to look things up, and I get on Google Drive and I yeah. watch YouTube and I do this and I do that. And I went, don't would Chromebook work? Like, because yeah. to get what you want in a Windows laptop, I don't want to spend less than twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't need that much, could we maybe look at a Chromebook? And so I bought a a Lenovo Chromebook. 
uh, for $499 from Costco with an Intel i5. And it's got 128 gig NVMe. It's got 16 gigs of RAM. That thing flies. It's a great little laptop for 500 bucks. She likes it? She, she likes it, it. yeah. It's okay. great. And now it'll run Steam. Perfect. Now she can play like, well, I'm, I'm obviously it's not going to run the latest and greatest, but I mean, you can play like, Stuff like Terraria and oh, totally. Whatnot. Uh, yeah. In uh, in fact, she does a lot of uh, what's that? Well, she does a lot of Minecraft. Uh, she plays with uh, with the kids. I think like you I can do. play on Chromebooks right now. Minecraft can, I think. I think you can, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she does a lot of Minecraft. She also does what's the farming one? Oh, uh, uh, something. Uh, Harvest Moon, not Harvest. No, Moon. no, no. That's the Nintendo version of something Valley. Uh, Oh, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Thank you. Yeah, Stardew Valley. Yeah, she does a lot of Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be fun. Hey, son of a tech jumps in the chat. What's up, guys? Son Hello. of a tech. How's it going? Good to see ya. Uh, nothing, just having a little finger of whiskey and oh, yeah. going over Are the latest Are you still not done with your whiskey, huh? Uh, I'm about done. Okay. I'm, I'm taking my time. It's a good whiskey. All right. No, I know. I know. I don't want to rush you or anything like that. I'm, I'm almost halfway done with my beer, though. Tell you what. I will set the whiskey aside. And I'll go ahead and open my uh, double double. Okay, I'm I'm really interested in what you think of that double double yep. double. You say it fast enough, you sound like a hamburger. <laughs> double double double. All right, double, double, from double. New Image Brewing. Triple dry hops, double IPA, nine point five. While you're pouring that, we got a super chat ten dollars from Tech Geek One. Yep. You know how to catch a polar bear? You cut a big hole in the ice, and then you line that hole with <laughs> baby green peas. So what happens when the bear goes to take a pee? You kick him in the ice hole. There we go. That's a good one. Uh, we missed a couple super chats. Uh, Ryan sends over five bucks. Thank you very much, Ryan. Hi, Jeff. Why can't you pet a seal? They're tamper-proof. And Cosworth sends over $5. Thank you very much, good sir. Uh, one of my first PCs that I ever owned was a Falcon Northwest machine. Oh, gosh. Remember them? Made in, uh, uh, they're, they're made in um, down south, Falcon yeah. Northwest is. Yep. Uh, Medford, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I purchased for myself via working summer jobs. I was 14. Uh, Son of a Tech says he popped a whiskey too. Uh, whiskey and compiling my blockchain. That would make me yeah. drink as well. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Speaking of uh, those movie style heads. Yes. No. I don't know what's with the IPAs today, but yeah, <laughs> mine was just like that. Yeah. It was crazy. That's that's like glycerin and dish soap kind of head. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. That's, yeah. That's the movie style head. Ah. Uh, what else we got? Triple double. We can cut it about an inch and a half above the rim now. <clears throat> Maybe I do have time to finish my whip. There you go. You know what I've always got time for? Giving a little segment to our video sponsor, Linode. Oh, Linode. Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space... Why not let Linode host them for you? 
If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software from most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And thanks again to Linode for sponsoring whatever this is. This is, yes. And and their logo is quite uh, holiday appropriate, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, very green. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Beautiful. Yeah, look at that. Good stuff. It's so they won't get pinched. Thank you, Linode. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that money to buy some Irish whiskey. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I picked I picked up some uh, some new Irish whiskey that I never had today to try tomorrow. We'll see. It's it's the Colin McGregor whiskey. Yeah. Boy, there is some yeast in the bottom of this. Oh, that's going to be good. And that could be it could be it could be lupulins too. Yeah, that that many hops, you, it could be lupulins. Yeah, it could totally be. I yeah. mean, there are chunks that are <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Delicious, huh? You wanted multi? A mm -hmm. multi IPA? Mm -hmm. Oh god. Well when it's when it's that many hops, you it needs to be multi, or it's just gonna be too bitter. This is malt forward like crazy. Mm, that's good. Like it's got that that real hazy IPA staple nose to it, where it's all citrus. Right. You know, it's that uh, this is like mandarin orange and mango and pineapple, oh, that kind of thing. Those are the best. Yeah. That's yeah. The best. It, it's super, super citrusy and super juicy on the nose. Texture is about on par with like a really thick orange juice. Okay. Um, so it is a so kind of a thick, thick IPA. Good, good, heavy mouthfeel. Yeah. And it is all malt and juice in, in the. Oh. In the Oh, it's delicious. That's the it's the kind of beer that John needs to sustain himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be I don't want to know the calorie count. Please no one post it. Oh, it's probably I was I was over he came over oh last weekend. And he was obviously still in the midst of his uh his uh, all beer diet. Yeah. And so we were talking about uh, and looking up the calorie counts of some beers. Because he needs to have high calorie beers. That's what he needs. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, apparently, um, one of the highest ones is uh, Bigfoot from Sierra Nevada, because it's a barley wine, and the twelve ounce a twelve ounce can of of uh, Bigfoot is like about three hundred and twenty five calories. Yeah. So it's like whew, a couple bottles of those, and yeah. we'll be swimming in it. Uh, so, uh, where was it? Right before the super chat, Mike asked, and I will get Sunny here in just a second. How many old VMs or old OS VMs do you have on your server, or do you not do those? Uh, well, sir, let's let's start with my DOSBox collection, and obviously it's 
DOS, but uh, let's go ahead and load up Windows 3.1 here. Uh, so I keep this thing fully decked out, including the original Microsoft Office, <laughs> which is fully functional, by the way, which is not something oh, yeah. a lot of DOSBox users can say, um, because there are some dependencies that don't run well within DOSBox, but there are replacements to those dependencies that you can add and emulate them, and it all works just um, so yeah, I have, uh, was that Microsoft Word 3.0? I've got Excel 2.0, and this is the original package where they, where Microsoft put everything together to everything compete together with Lotus Notes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Lotus Notes and, uh, what was the one, two, three? Um, yeah, something one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Um, what it was. yeah, I've got games on here. I've got all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so here's my... My Windows 3.1 games collection. Uh, you know, everything from the even more incredible machine, the Windows version, not the DOS version that you get on good old games. Um, the original Tetris, or the original Windows Tetris. Yeah, the original Windows the original Tetris, Tetris. Uh, the original Yahtzee. Uh, I've also got the Windows Yacht, which they couldn't call it Yahtzee. Uh, Jazz Jackrabbit. Operation Interspace. If you've never played this game, it's a joy. Uh I know I'm trailing off here and we're getting kind of sidetracked, but uh kinda. Hold Just on. A little bit. If you haven't played this game, you need to play this game. Uh you can still buy it brand new today and it will still work on Windows 10 and 11. Um So Operation Interspace. I don't think I've remember I don't think I ever played this. One. Yeah. Uh basically it takes your your hard drives on your computer and all the directory structure and it turns it into various levels that you play trying to rescue the files on your hard drive. Um, ah. And you are a little ship that you control and can upgrade. So it's it's like a space combat R, uh, RPG. And so you've got to collect power-ups and collect all the icons. You've got guns that you can upgrade. You've got enemies that you can fight. It's an, kind of an ast asteroid-style Yeah, it's an asteroid-style game, but it's a full role-playing game that uses your hard drive as the base. It's super fun. Operation Interspace. Oh. Oh. Yeah, there were a lot of good games back then. Yes. Uh, Sunny sends over a hundred Hong Kong uh, dollars. Hello from Hong Kong. Enjoyed your channel a lot out here during the race to uh, out here during the race to Gigahertz War. There is another fun thing that comes around that time. Remember the dual Celeron hack? Um, I do. I do remember the dual Celeron hack. And in fact, I have a dual slot one motherboard in my collection. That is running dual Pentium 2 450s. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, no OS of the day that a consumer would, would have utilize? a hold of could run that. Yeah. Uh, because anything based on the DOS kernel was single core, single thread only. Mm. No exceptions. It wasn't until you got to Windows XP that you could, on the consumer side of things, run multiple cores. Um, so even things like the Pentium Pro you had to have specific use cases or custom Linux kernels to recognize multiple CPUs. Um, but, yeah, I, I have a, a dual slot one. And in fact, I recently purchased uh, a pair of 933 megahertz Pentium 3s for it. 
now my board is not one that can be upgraded to to the one gigahertz line i think the max it was capable of is 700 because of some voltage regulations but there is apparently a hack for my particular motherboard that i can shunt together a couple of vrms and then update the bios for uh with a cracked bios of a later revision and get the the up to a gigahertz to work so maybe one day i'll get around to doing that <laughs> that'd be a fun fun little project not really the same theme as what you do in most of your channel but it'd be still a fun project mm-hmm but heck, it's your it's your channel. You can do what you want. That's huh? right. Yeah, I do what I want. <laughs> it's my channel. And that's actually one of the marks hookers. of my channel is sometimes I do like in-depth Linux server stuff. And other times it's like, I'm going to build a retro PC with a GT740. <laughs> sometimes you can just watch me just eating pudding. Right. On you want. <laughs> you know what? If if you guys will pay to watch me eat pudding, I'll freaking eat pudding. Yeah. Uh, you know, and sometimes I do like full custom ITX cases with copper water cooling. By the way, if no mm -hmm, one caught the mm -hmm. Easter egg down here, I saw that down there. Yeah, yeah. There, there's copper piping in my studio right now. Uh, let's see. Ryan also says uh, Jeff gives flavor profile in excruciating detail. Me, mmm, beer. Or <laughs> <laughs> tastes like beer. Uh, son of a tech says, Jeff, I saw your pie hole recursive video and enjoyed it. I had another question. What is your preferred method for DNS with ISPs like AT&T gigabit, etc.? Whatever ISP or whatever DNS server you use that is in the cloud, um, they're going to be sniffing your packets and they're going to be trying to analyze you and sell you to advertisers. That is pretty much in every single DNS's best interest, unless you use DNSSEC. Um, now, if you use Firefox, Firefox lately has been pushing DNSSEC as a default option where they ask you, do you want to use DNSSEC the first time you launch Firefox? And from inside the browser, they will not use your PC's default DNS server. Instead, any external queries will go via DNSSEC, which is essentially HTTPS for DNS. It's an encrypted DNS request. Um... Not a lot of people outside like DNSSEC because, well, they can't sniff you for data anymore. Um, but if your goal is privacy and to avoid targeted advertising and things like that, DNSSEC is definitely the way to go. And there are some third-party providers for DNSSEC. Um, I don't know if it's to the point yet where you can start integrating Pi-hole and doing your own recursive DNSSEC server. But I'm certainly interested if we can get that running. Hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't. I I never recommend using your ISP's DNS server. Uh, they almost always suck. <laughs> like, what's their incentive besides selling you more content, like Comcast, AT and T, right? Yeah, Fox, etc. They're media companies. What do you think they're doing with the DNS information? Uh, Google is kind of a known evil, as is OpenDNS, as is Cloudflare. Like, at least I know what they're doing with my data, and I know I'm already using their services whether I want to or not. So whatever information they have on me is no more skin off my back. So um, personally, I use Cloudflare for most things, although Cloudflare also goes down at the drop of a hat thanks to their reliance on level three. Uh, so... 
Yeah. Cloudflare with a Google backup is pretty much my go-to. Lotus123. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, is Gearling in the chat too? Oh, Gearling. Wow. Everyone's out to play. Yeah. <laughs> they all heard about my hat and just had to come see it. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh man, all the YouTubers are out here. Yes, it's been going it's been going all day now, but I'm letting Cloudflare soak it up right now. Yeah. Uh, uh does Cloudflare or sorry, does YouTube only pay attention to the number in super chats? No, they actually do the uh uh conversion over to USD in the color formatting uh so yes the co the color denotes the value and how long you get to stay up on top no you can't give me twenty two thousand vietnamese dong and and be up there until next week sorry <laughs> yep we got our our saint patty hat on uh i had a little bit That's of right. irish whiskey earlier in the night yeah but seeing as how it's already 8.50, I think we should start moving through the story. We should, yes. We kind of got sidetracked. a little sidetracked a bit. You guys keep talking <laughs> about things that are like ancillary to my interests, not necessarily. But there's still, there's still fun subjects to talk about, so it's kind of like. Totally. Uh, yeah. Totally. Might as well. Screw it. What do you guys want to yeah. talk about tonight? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Microsoft has announced that Direct Storage API is now available inside Windows. This is kind of an exciting thing because this uh, this has the promise to put storage closer to your graphics card and closer to exactly. your processor than it has been before. Um, essentially, for those who don't know, right now if you're playing a video game, let's say, uh, and your graphics card needs to access texture data and it needs to read that from storage, it has to tell the CPU, hey, I need this texture data. The CPU tells storage, hey, I need this texture data. Storage tells the CPU, here's your texture data. And then the CPU tells the graphics card, here's your yep. texture data that you asked yep. for seven cycles ago. With direct storage API, you can bypass the CPU entirely and the graphics card can ask the storage directly, hey, I need this texture data. Okay, here it is. Yeah, um, much faster throughput. Right, and so if you're talking CPU cycles or clocks or or you know any metric of of uh, of lookup times, you'll know that two steps is a lot faster than seven steps. Yeah. Uh, and so the lower the latency, the more the more you can actually utilize the bandwidth for throughput and not just back and forth negotiation. Right. Uh, so that is the the theory behind direct storage. Uh, and the fact that the API is now open uh, means that developers can start integrating it into applications as they see fit. So they can connect PCIe devices to other PCIe devices. Uh, the main goal of this is obviously storage to graphics, but there's some other implications with this as well. Uh, so good to see that. Uh, and we're starting to get to the point where storage may start to become a bottleneck with some performance in games like yeah uh, oh, definitely right well, now even even with even with ahead. the high-end games you still see some texture pop in and stuff like that especially with the unreal engine i don't know how many times you've seen yeah the model comes out like this and the texture comes in blurry yeah 
and that's how they trick you. So it's like it seems like it comes in instantly, but they have to wait for the hard drive to come give you the full mm -hmm. res texture. Uh, and that takes a little bit, and you get some weird texture popping going that. This should circumvent that, and it should be just as instant as the model popping up. So it, it should be much, much faster. Yeah, so lots of uh, lots of really compelling use cases there. I'm excited to see where this technology goes. Uh, but at the moment, the, the texture pop-in issue... You get that regardless of whether you're running on a mechanical hard drive or a SATA SSD yeah. or an NVMe SSD Gen 2 through 4. Uh, because once the texture is loaded into memory, then it just loads. Goes, yeah. But the, the loading time is the only thing that's really suffered. Uh, with direct storage API integrated into games, you might start to see your drive be a bottleneck in potential game performance as far as how quickly textures are loaded in. And yeah. and not just not just the GTA 5 I'm loading or Skyrim I'm loading a new zone mm -hmm. going faster, but how far in the horizon can I see? How much yeah. texture can I hold in, in data? How many triangles can I possibly hold in my buffer right now and still have access to the textures that I need to render them properly? Um, that's going to become a real thing very, oh, yeah. very quickly as soon, as soon as developers start integrating this. Very, yeah, very exciting few, future. I think there was, uh, what's the Luminous Productions? There's a new, or uh, Forspoken, that's what it was. That, that Forspoken, which is coming out next year, or is it this year? Uh, it's supposed to be a new um, game from... Doo -doo 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 -doo. It's got, it's supposed to, it's Square Enix. That's right, Square Enix. It's going to have um, direct storage fully integrated into it. So that's coming out do, 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 October of this year. Yeah, October. So I don't know if there's any games that have been announced that are going to uh, shove it in backwards compatible, have an update so it'll integrate it. But I can see that happening, especially yeah. with some more modern titles and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Gearling just said, uh, birds and bees means springtime and allergy season. Um, I, I get some seasonal allergies where like my nose runs like nine months out of the year and it's just yeah. a thing. <laughs> uh, but for me, and I put this in chat, spring means rain, then sun, then rain, then sun, then rain. thunder, then sun, then frost, then sun, then rain, then sun. And, uh, I'm one of those that gets migraines, and one of my main triggers is pressure changes. Mm, you get a lot of that. Huh? So uh, spring for me means migraine, 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 migraine. Hey, I feel oh crap, migraine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I never had too many issues with allergies, yep. even though my backyard is actually a most of it is is a, is it's out to a wetland area, yep. and it's just mostly grass. That's out there. Still, never had any issues. Yeah, you're lucky. Uh, I yeah. <laughs> That's the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Took it right out of my mouth, Steve. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know why my nose runs all the time. Uh, all right. Intel. Intel CPUs. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh yeah. We all thought Spectre and Meltdown were over. 
Well, think again, a second round of mitigations is coming out as recent as, gosh, does this affect all the way up to 12th gen? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yes it does. Uh, yeah, uh, so Spectre V2 mitigations are coming down the pipeline in the form of BIOS updates and OS remediations. And that means lower performance because of speculative execution exploits, thanks to Spectre and Meltdown. Uh, this affects basically all the CPUs it did before and all the way up to current generation, which is Gen 12. Uh, so depending on the instruction set you're using, you could see performance penalties up to 35% on this That's second round hit, of mitigate. Dude. That is massive. Yeah, that is, uh, number one. Well, how do I even say this? From a security perspective, you should absolutely patch everything that has the potential for a security risk. Right. Well, say that. Um, my problem is for keeping some systems alive, if you simply mitigate the in-out traffic with it, you could probably keep things in production long. Hear me out. Uh, as someone who runs servers, used to run servers professionally, etc., um, most of my services are internal. I've only got a couple that are external facing and those are still only for personal use and they're still password protected. Uh, but you don't necessarily want to rely on that entirely if your CPU itself is vulnerable to side channel attacks. Uh, if you only run internal services, I don't know that there's necessarily a need to upgrade. And I know that's blasphemous as far as InfoSec goes. Like it, but it, that performance hit, man, you just... Right. Yeah, uh, that's, 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 the, that's a balance you kind of have to keep like, right there. Like, you all know my wheelhouse is Sandy Bridge, Ivy Bridge. Like, I love that generation of CPU because it pretty much stayed the same until Cascade Lake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I love that generation CPU because you can get them for so cheap. And even Haswell's have come down in price lately. Like, you can get V4 CPUs for under 100 bucks now, uh, which is absolutely insane. Do you need to patch it to run your Plex server at home? Eh, probably not. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's honestly because I think I think they said the biggest performance hit is with the I/O interface, like like <laughs> the input output, the browsing of of webs, and you know you're not gonna you're not gonna see that much performance of a hit. Mm -hmm. But yes, if you're running a Plex server or something like that, y'all you'll, you'll see a performance hit there. Yeah, you you definitely would with anything transcode, encode, decode. Yep. Um, you will definitely see a performance hit with, with a lot of things. AVX, uh, that also uses speculative execution quite a bit, uh, especially AVX 256, which is where most of these affected CPUs max out. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a hit. And if you run a, a server in production that is public facing, uh, you absolutely need to upgrade. You absolutely yeah. need to to patch these these mitigations and uh, or patch these exploits, rather. Uh, for the home lab folks that are watching, 
it's up to it's you, a little I guess. more give and take. It's a little yeah. bit more give and take. Like I said, my my VM server only has two ports that are open to the world, and they're serving a couple other services. I'm, I'm not going to say what services. I've I've got to at least adhere by security by obscurity on this channel, <laughs> which is not security at all. But I'm not going to tell you what I'm running. Um, but I've got two two applications that are open to the the greater web that I do DNS forward to myself. Uh, but they're not applications that are like readily exploitable. And so, do I need to run those mitigations to lose thirty five percent performance to my Minecraft server? Or to my Plex server, or whatever. I don't know. So, take my opinion for what it is based on who I am and what I do today. And as uh, Gearling says, uh, I still run servers professionally. I just have a wildly different SLA. <laughs> yes. Uh, although, if you run a Plex server and you have a family, uh, that's one of the worst contracts you can possibly take on. Oh, yeah. Especially when you have everybody hitting it at once. Um, I I rebooted my main VM server the other day. And 60 seconds after I hit reboot, my daughter comes downstairs and goes, Dad, is there Dad? something wrong with the internet? <laughs> no, I, I rebooted the server, so Plex might be down. Oh, because we were watching this upstairs, and then it just stopped working, and nothing else was working. I went, well, nothing else on Plex was working, but the internet's still up. Yeah. YouTube's still fine. Yeah. Lesson one, kid. Report the problem, not everything is broken, and you'll probably get more attention. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Well, if she learns that, she's like ahead of like, you know, 75% of adults out there right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can just go on, go on to the Discord and listen to John's uh, tech support woes every day. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Um... I'm not advocating to not update your servers, but what I am advocating for is if you're doing home lab stuff for your education and you're internally focused on, you're not exposing this to the world, you are not, you're not relying on it for production, so you can take a couple security risks because they're internal risks. That's called risk mitigation. And if you get 20% more performance out of a Sandy Bridge, Ivy Bridge, Haswell, Cascade Lake, whatever, and you can more easily learn from that, um, I say more power to you. If you are running a server in production, in a production environment, whether it's commercial, educational, business, whatever, run your, run your, your patches. Bite the bullet. Ask your Definitely. bosses for more, more tech money next year. That's Gotta eat my that advice. budget up somehow. Yep. Be right back, setting up service now in my home lab. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with these exploits, if you have a VM exposed to the internet, how safe are you? It depends on what service it is. It depends on how exploitable that service is. Um, speculative execution takes advantage of memory space that Intel used to save time on calculations. Uh, there's a long-winded technical explanation. The short explanation is if Intel sees an equation comes in that says 2 times 2, and it's seen that equation 100 times before, it'll just load 4 into memory. 
Now, it'll still double-check itself in the background, but it will assume that 4 is the answer and move on with further equations in another thread. And if it turns out that 4 was not the answer, it'll recalculate that and then advance. But if 4 was the answer, it saved 20 cycles of CPU time. The very simple explanation, don't at me. Uh, so, uh, if you have a VM in particular that can exploit memory in any way, Spectre was basically, not only can you read the memory addresses of the VM that you have access to through whatever that web service application is, you can also read the memory spaces of other VMs that are currently running on the system. And so let's say you have a Minecraft server running, which is Java-based, which, oh my God, think of more security holes and memory leaks than Java. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you also have a SQL database of all your financial transactions in another VM on the same physical server. Uh, you could, in theory, use Java vulnerabilities to read the SQL database queries on that other VM. Now it's in real time. It's, it's only active memory that is exploited. It's not... Uh, well, it's active and speculative memory that you can see. You basically see the raw addresses that are that are exposed. Um, but it breaks down that that soft wall between physical and virtual machine. And so you can read the entire physical machine memory with access to only one VM. Um, so that's a very simple way of saying if you're running anything in production, anything exposed to the internet that may have some vulnerability that you can exploit. Uh, Java, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm just throwing of Java course, out there because Java deserves to be under the well, bus. J Java's everyone's punching bag. Don't worry about it. Java's mm -hmm. used to it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. <laughs> Java vulnerabilities. Why are you repeating yourself? Did you know in the dictionary under redundant, it says see redundant? Yeah. So that's the, the very compressed, short-winded explanation of why you need to patch your servers. And if you're running anything in production, if you are any kind of commercial business, education, et cetera, environment, you need to be patching your servers because it's the stone that's left unturned that will bite you. Uh, and because this isn't just, oh yeah, they have access to our HVAC data or whatever else. No, they can use that HVAC data to penetrate your financial data, or they can use that Minecraft EDU server that you spun up because some some teacher in the middle school decided to like he had to have it, and now all of a sudden all of your student social security numbers are exposed because those are also on a database that was looked up on the server. It it's all connected in the back end, so that's what Spectre is. That's why it's important to patch. If you're running a Plex server and a Pi-hole and a couple other services like that that aren't really all that insecure and you're not running any secure data that you need to protect on your server. It's not, not that bad. It's probably not that bad. And like I said, for a lot of home lab type environments, you could probably get away with not patching. And I know that's blasphemous from an infospec perspective. I understand. Like I said, don't at me. Uh, so consider what your data is. Consider what your vulnerabilities and exposure could be and make the according decisions.
Java, the reason IT professionals drink. I thought that was sequel. Like Java. No, sequel's not that bad. Eh. Java's way worse. You ever crashed a production database? Because I have. Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say crash, but. Crash I've, is I've, such I've a had, strong I've, word. I've, I've, had to, I've had to restore. I've had a few people who, who did like uh, uh, wrote scripts without testing them on a. Uh, Tested test run a script on a production database without testing them first on a uh, on a scratch database. Yeah, um, I've I've had a guy run a PowerShell script that didn't have a max user count threshold on it that applied to all users. Oh, and they just updated everybody. Uh huh. Gave everybody admin permissions or something like Gave that. Gave everyone no permissions. Oh, no permissions. All of a sudden, it work. Okay. Right. Then everybody started like, why can't I do anything anymore? Right. Where'd all my files go? Oh, yeah. they're there. Trust me. Oh, don't worry about it. I'm the one person who still has physical access, so it's it's all right. We'll get back. Um, Yeah, and Zachary wants to say uh, that's more of a description of caching. Spectre takes advantage of speculative execution for branch prediction with instructions in branch is executable if the system thinks it is likely to be called. And like I said, I gave a very basic explanation because I was trying to keep it under 20 minutes. <laughs> um, yes, there's, there's more that can be looked up. Uh, but you start getting into theoreticals and, and lab benches and things like that. Uh, I was trying to just tell people if you run in production, make sure to patch. I wasn't getting into, well, if you run Minecraft specifically, you should probably patch your server. Or if you have financial data, you should probably patch. Those are, yes, you should patch. Uh, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, Microsoft may have accidentally revealed ads to be coming to Windows 11 File Explorer to the surprise of no one in this room. Right. Yeah. Although they quickly pulled it right afterwards. Well, of course they did. They don't want the bad. Of course they did. They don't want they don't the want, bad press before no, it actually drops. No. They want to no. drop it on like a Sunday morning so you'll forget about it by Monday. I always thought they were going to do it like they did. What was it, that story back when um, eBay changed the color of its background, <laughs> and it and and everybody complained From about the off-white to white shift. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're like, "All right, we'll put it back," and they put it back, and then they just gradually changed the background color, and then nobody complained. Yeah, they just did and a hex just, value at a time. Yeah, and then now with Windows, they'll just be like, "Ah, it's just a small ad," yep. and it'll get bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, no one's just like, "Oh, yeah, okay." Yep, it's still there. Yeah, no, I, I forgot about that entirely. eBay used to be almost like a beige background. Yeah, it had a. It was a, it was a soft yeah. yellow. It was. Yeah. It was the color of wall that you paint your house when you don't know what to paint your house. <laughs> it's the it's the color of the old '90s PC, you know. Right. It, it's it's off white. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's eggshell yeah. white, and yeah, and they decided great. to go with stark white, and everyone went whoa whoa whoa! Like it's so hard on the eyes now. I can't read it, and so eBay went okay. They turned it back. And then they dialed the dial back like one setting a week for eight weeks until it was where they wanted it to be. Yeah, exactly. And then no one complained because it was so gradual. Right. Yeah, that was funny. Thank you. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, anytime I do a Windows debloat video, I get two main comments. Number one, 
Windows doesn't put ads in their operating system. Where are you seeing these at? Yes, they do. There's two places oh, they that, they put, that they put them right now. Number one, they put them on the welcome screen where they will put targeted articles that they think you want to read that link directly to MSN, which I need to remind you is the Microsoft network. Um, so they get clicks on their webpage. They get ad revenue from said webpage. They get, they get throughput, they get numbers, they get all that kind of stuff. Um, they will quite frequently display ads on the welcome screen in a lot of different windows versions. Oh yeah. Um, now it is disableable in every windows version. That is something that you can make go away through the deep loading script. Um, but by default, even windows professional displays ads on the welcome screen. Uh, you just might not notice them because they're just the little blurbs that you can click on. And then once you log into your user, it'll just open edge, regardless of your default browser, it'll open edge. Right. It's always, which edge. again, always let's, edge. it'll open edge. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then Microsoft in the start menu with windows 10 tiles. And this started all the way back in windows eight. You notice how Microsoft has all of their first party service apps installed by default. They have maps, they have weather, they have news, they have stocks, they have all those other applications that you probably it's, don't it's, even know exist. It's pronounced stonks. Stonks, yeah. Stonks it's only line. stonks if it's going up. Uh, <laughs> so they have all those built-in applications. Well, guess what? All those applications are content delivery that they can deliver stories to in live tile format for current events or things you want to look at or things they think you want to look at. That's advertisement. Anytime Microsoft recommends you go to the internet and go take a look at this thing, it's an advertisement. They are wanting clicks. They are wanting clicks to the site as a primary motive. They are wanting clicks to their advertisers as a secondary motive. Uh, yes, Microsoft delivers ads to your operating system. Whether you knew it or not. And and again, very subtle. as I said in the last Windows Debloat video, we let that happen by not yelling loud enough. Uh, I've been yelling from the clouds as long as I could, starting with Windows 7 with little eeks in with, with recommended apps and things like that. That's like, Microsoft should not be installing a couple apps that they think I might like. Uh... That was expanded, or sorry, Windows 8, uh, when the Windows Store became first became a thing. They, it would uh, install like the top two apps of the month or something like that. And, and I went, that's not something it should be doing. And to people who defend, well, they're not actually installed. They're on my computer and they're in my start menu. I didn't put them there. I don't care if don't they're installed or if they're installed on first click. They're still there and they don't belong there. Uh, and then with Windows 8.1, we started getting suggestions. We started getting tips on things we might like or uh, articles that might interest us and things like that in the news feed for, for mm -hmm. Microsoft. And then with Windows 10, it started very subtly. And then all of a sudden, I think with the, uh, it wasn't in the 1604, the initial release of Windows 10, I think it was like the 1710 or 1709 release, 1709, yeah, uh, that they started putting recommended ads or recommended articles on the welcome screen. 
That's ad delivery. And I hated it then. I hate it now. You know, and now it's coming is, to Windows is, Explorer. So now when you this, open your My Documents, here's some other things that might interest you, you know, in your, your quick link menu. This is this is the slippery slope that all started with, with Clippy. It's all Clippy's <laughs> it's fault. All Clippy's fault. It's all Clippy's fault. <laughs> and maybe 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 Microsoft Bob had a little bit to do with it, but mostly Clippy. Mostly Clippy. Frickin' Bob. <laughs> yeah. No, this this is all Clippy's fault. Can I help you? It's all Clippy's. Can I help you? No, you can't. <laughs> it, I hear Clippy. I love that Star Trek Lower Decks, Badgie is basically Clippy. Can I teach oh, you yeah. a lesson? <laughs> yeah, you want that? It's so great. <laughs> Uh, American Cosworth, $5. Thank you very much. Ads on Windows brought to you by Reasons to Switch to Linux Desktop. By the way, that's the other comment yeah. I get in those videos. Just choose use Linux. <clears throat> Look. I like <laughs> One Linux. Sec, you keep going. Look, I, I like Linux. I like Linux a lot, in fact. Uh... I think Linux is a great operating system. I use it all the time in servers. I've done a number of tutorials for it. The average user cannot run Linux. And I'm tired of saying that. I don't want to hear, yes, they can. I don't want to hear they should learn. I don't want to... You've never worked IT support. You need to meet users where they're at, meet them where their expectations lie, and meet them with what they expect. And Linux does none of those. Until Linux is as plug and play as, as Windows, as Mac OS, as Chrome OS. And by the way, Chrome OS for as many people, well, it runs the Linux kernel. Until it is as plug and play as Windows, Mac OS, and Chrome OS, Linux will never be a thing. And I've stated that SteamOS 3.0 finally has the potential to be a thing. Because what are they doing? They're making it simple. They're making it plug and play. They're making it, they're, they're making the expectations of the user match the experience that they're going to receive. Without, well, it works, but if you download this kernel version and you make sure you update the drivers, which by the way, you have to do in the shell and you do this and you do this and you make sure that Steam has the... No, I want to load Steam, install game, play game. That's it. Until Linux reaches that point and until SteamOS reaches that point, it's not a viable option. And 98% of users will not switch to it. And I've proven they won't switch to it. So, I'm not getting off that soapbox until Linux makes a move. <laughs> I will stand on that soapbox until I see anything better. And you know, it, it's kind of funny because the people that are actually making steps to make that closer is is Steam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, they're trying to make an all-encompassing OS for gamers to install a Linux-based system that just will automatically play your games. And that's what a lot of people want. Yep. All right. Who pays now for that... Windows? Most people. Now, not most people who 
bought a PC, although yes, most people who go out and buy a PC, 10 or 15 or $20 of that goes directly to Microsoft through the OEM or Windows. They pay licensing fees to sell Windows on their desktops. That's a thing. Now, as the end user, Microsoft has conveniently removed most of those fees from us, but they are still on businesses, on corporations, on cube farms, on everything else. There's licensing fees, there's volume license agreements, there's there's a whole bunch of, of different things that you can sign up for, but Windows is still a cash cow for Microsoft, even if they're not relying on the average consumer to pay that bill anymore. Windows is still not free, even though you've gotten the last three updates for free, from 7 to 8 to 8, 1 to 10 to 11. <coughs> It looks like you're trying to talk about how great Microsoft is. Can I teach you a lesson? Rant alert. Yeah, I should, probably should have turned it on. Um, well, that's good. It gave me time to rinse off my glass and pour my beer. Right. Yeah, you said one second, and I went, oh, perfect timing. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I just realized that I only brought one glass, and I just poured an IPA, and I'm going to pour barley wine. And I love barley wine. Oh. I don't want it to be tainted. I must have so missed I had the barley go. wine comment. Hold oh, I, no, I did it in the middle of the rant. So I I, I poured the uh, uh, Unbeatable by Great, oh, Great Notion, Notion. Oh. which is the the vanilla coconut barley wine. Oh, good God. It is it is absolutely, absolutely delicious. Because outside of outside of IPAs, like barley wines are my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. and this is this is no exception. This is delicious. Mm. Yeah, barley wines, I think, are number three for me, but they're oh, yeah. like... Like swap Imperial stop for barley wine and we have the same top three. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Unless you build a trash PC off an HP Z 420 with an M 40 where the MOBO comes with a windows 10 pro license built in. Right. But the license was still paid for at some point by some party. Right. Regardless of where it originated. Um, and by the way, I'm really happy that, the license is now tied to the motherboard because remember in the past when you wanted to like upgrade a system and you'd swap out a CPU and it'd go, nope, sorry, no longer activated. Yeah. Yeah, you swap out too many parts too quickly. Yeah, oh, I'll, yeah, by upgrading my PC over six years, I was just trying to circumvent Microsoft licensing. <laughs> my apologies, <laughs> Windows XP. By the way, Steve, I don't know if you can see it, but check out all the floaties. Oh, no, I see it. It's like a, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's like some cake at the bottom. Oh, it's there. good. <laughs> oh. I, I bet you that's lupulins. I don't think that's yeast. That could be lupulins or maybe a mix of both. It, it's lupulins. Okay. That's not yeast. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was delicious. Ah. Uh. Next up, another beer that I have never had before, but one that I am equally looking forward to, is the White Bluffs Brewing Mighty Night Imperial Stout. Oh, yeah. 9.4%. Uh, brewed in Richland, Washington. Okay, not too far. Which, by the way, I will be in Richland, Washington on Friday the 25th. For PDX Land. Oh, PDX Land. I, I got my media passes approved today. 
So oh, I was gonna say because usually those tickets. Well, I don't know how quick the tickets. The tickets used to go quick. In tickets the are sold out through the fall event. Okay, like the, they right. have they have a spring and a fall event this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the BYOC is already sold out for September. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. or no, it's November. It's like November 9th through eleventh or something like. That. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if anyone is going to be at PDX Land, uh, I will be there on Friday from noon, probably close to ten p.m. Uh, so. I'll be hanging out. We'll just kind of be walking the floor. Uh, I'm going to check out any PC mods, any any cosplay, any any happenings and competitions. And uh, Rhett and I are just going to be hanging out, probably cracking a couple of beers and having a good day. So please come by, say hi. We'll be around. I haven't been to PDX Land in, oh gosh, it's been like 10 years. Can maybe? I admit that I've never been? You've never been? I've never been oh, to man. PDX Land. Oh, I, I went to it, a couple of couple of times. It always landed on a time. weekend that I couldn't attend. Like oh, I yeah. like I tried like like eight times. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, like, no, that's either that's like an anniversary weekend, or this is like oh, yeah. you know, some some third cousin's birthday that we promised we'd attend, or this oh, is I, I, someone's I, wedding. I, it's yeah. I kinda wanna go back because I every once in a while I miss the whole land party scene. I really do. Because we used to do them, like I said, once a month. We used to do them either someplace in Salem or someplace close by. Yeah. And uh, it was an absolute blast. We'd get there like about 8, 9 in the morning, and we wouldn't leave until about, like you said, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yep. We'd break for lunch, have a couple beers, have beers while we're playing. Yep. Play all these Unreal tournaments, Quake. Quake, all the different, yeah, all all the great games. Yeah, I, I did quite a few land parties when I lived down in Eugene, um, and uh, that was back in the day when I would pack my K six two and my CRT monitor on the bus. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh my god, the CRT monitor that took up a whole seat on the bus. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I still have I still have my um, case ace strap that you would wrap your 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 computer in and had a handle so you can carry the whole case and it's got like pockets on the side for your mouse and your mouse pad and your land cables and everything like that i think i still have that sitting around somewhere still good if you want to go to land parties yeah uh, uh actually i still have the gosh i did a review on it even the the land case the the land bag i'm trying to remember the name of it um gosh this up now the, the one i have i think it's it, it might, the website still might be up and if you look at the website you'll be like oh my gosh yeah that's from like the early 2000s it's called case case ace uh i have uh crazy gear the crazy gear gtr1 um it was uh i met the the owner of the company the the guy who invented the bag at QuakeCon in 2018 oh yeah and mm-hmm. uh he sent over a bag. It was a Kickstarter at the time, mm-hmm. um, but it was aimed at people who want to carry their their desktop and a monitor, and who are going to land parties like QuakeCon. I'm like, I'd love to take a look at that. Like that's awesome. I brought a PC here to the land, and man, getting it on the cart and transporting it through the hotel and everything like it was nerve wracking. I'd love it if I can just throw it on my back. Oh yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. And uh, yeah, I'll probably be taking that to Quake or to uh, to PDX Land with me. 
Yeah, I put the I put the well, I could only find um an eBay <laughs> link to it. Uh the case ace. Oh, it's from Gear Grip. Sorry, Gear Grip. Here we go. Oh no, that's that just goes to a PDF. I I, I guess their website doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, I put I put a link to it on the Discord of what it looks like. The old case ace gear grip. Pro land party, large computer carrying case harness. It was it was pretty good. It had pockets for your mouse, for your keyboard. Yep. Place to strap up your land cables, your video card cables, yep. all kinds of stuff. So the review video that I did for the uh the crazy gear was I put my dishonored case that I built for QuakeCon into it and I picked it up on my back. And just like carried it like a backpack. I did. Like you're some Sherpa going up right <laughs> up some mountain. And I will say it was insanely comfortable. Heavy. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, that was a water-cooled 8700K yeah, and no, a 1080 yeah, yeah. And, and a Fractal Design R6. Like it was a heavy case. Yeah. Uh but it was much better than putting it onto a luggage rack and toting it through a hotel. Yeah. So of course, yeah, yeah. Uh let's see. Mickle says, LOL, I got I, I ought to get you into the BYOC for the land party. I'm on staff with two hundred to three hundred attendees, but don't know if you can make the trip to Kentucky. You know, honestly. You throw in some fried chicken, uh, we might be able to get out there. Some Kentucky fried chicken. Uh, <laughs> honestly, one of my plans going into 2020, when I was planning on going full-time, was doing a lot of collabs and traveling a lot more. And I will say this all depends on COVID numbers. But I would love to start making some more personal appearances places uh, and, and doing a lot more collabs with places. Uh, in fact, I, I have a collab that I've been wanting to do with some of the Wichita automotive YouTubers for a long time. Uh, and and even local YouTubers. So, uh, you know, there's B is for Build, who is local to me. Uh, and That's right. We, we have common contacts, and we've thought about doing PC slash car stuff for a long, long time. And then COVID hit. Uh so I'm hoping within the next year to two years that those bridges will get built again and I can start getting out there a little bit more. I can get to random land parties in Kentucky and Nebraska and get back to, to QuakeCon and PAX mm -hmm. East and PAX, PAX West yeah. And, yeah. and those kinds of things because I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Gearling says I need to come to St. Louis as it turns out my family is going to St. Louis in May. Uh but I will not be on that particular trip. So Yeah. Uh You know what? If I ever make it out to Kansas, which I probably will in the next year or so, uh I will totally jump across the border and come see you in St. Louis. We'll do a uh Mirror Universe Jeff versus Redshirt Jeff throwdown. As long as it means I don't have to shave my goatee. Well, that would make you evil, Jeff. That would make me evil, Jeff, right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone everyone always wonders, like, what's my... Uh, like, Gearling has red shirt, Jeff. Uh, and I always say I have Mirror Universe, Jeff. And it's like, well, how would you tell the difference? Well, Mirror Universe, Jeff, doesn't use Manscaped. <laughs> 
that's how you tell. So you have to you have to you have to check uh, down mm-hmm. under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not the facial hair that's the tell on that. No, one. no, no, not that, not that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway in rural Missouri. Uh, I don't need meth. I wanted to meet up for a <laughs> for a tech video. <laughs> what are you going to do, Branson? Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we do have some beer news, kind of. Uh, I, I mean, we can we do can. Do we need kinda... to do it, or can we buzz on through it? My mom, my main question for you that I didn't ask you before the show is: Did you right. see Picard episode two? I did. Perfect. Because I'd much rather get to the spoiler cast on that. Okay, we can um, we can go through some of this. Uh, fairly quickly, so let, guess, let's do yeah. like five minute blitz on the beer review, on the beer news and sure. and the one entertainment story that we have. Okay, Meth Capital, whoop whoop, um, Springfield, Oregon. There's there's a lot of places throughout the U.S. could possibly have heavy competition. Any any place you capital. have a major metro area, mm-hmm. St. Louis, With- Kansas City, Tucson. If you drive about four miles outside city limits, you have a meth problem. Yeah. It, it's a very easy joke to make as a comedian. <laughs> Hashtag demonetized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Bushmills picks up the tab for Peaky Blinders fans for St. Patrick's Day. St. Patty's Day with two D's, yep. not two T's. All you racist bastards. Uh... Yeah, so if uh, you order a Bushmills Irish whiskey cocktail on St. Patty's Day, mm-hmm. uh, Bushmills will pay for it. Oh yeah, and and not only on top of that, there has there's another link. Yes, you can go to and get six dollars off on your purchase of Bushmills. That's right. So essentially, the first shot is free. Uh, unfortunately, it's not in every single state. I already looked because I'm like, oh, look, I can get a discount on a on a pint of or a, a fifth of Bushmills, but it's not available in Oregon. Bummer. But basically, you buy some, you go there, they'll give you a rebate. <laughs> Sorry, people are referencing all their uh, their meth capitals. I had to add a couple of ours. I got Scott's oh, Mills yeah, in Fall City. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's tons of them. <laughs> Those are just the two closest. <laughs> Those are the ones where they don't they don't have that barrier off Main Street. Like Well, Scott's Mills isn't exactly the big of a big of a city anyway. But again, like, yes, like no, you've got there, City yeah. Hall next to the blue tarps. Like it's Yes. Yeah. There's no there's no division whatsoever. The mayor comes up scratching his neck. Like, <laughs> uh, Guinness breakfast tea amber available only on St. Patrick's Day, only around St. Patrick's Day, and only in the U.S. Interestingly yeah. enough, yeah, for Guinness, it's uh, the uh, U.S. brewery that they have out there in Maryland. Yep, um, you can get a English breakfast or is it Irish breakfast? Yeah. English Makes breakfast tea. English breakfast tea. Irish, Irish yeah, beer. Irish beer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So apparently it's like a 4.8 ABV, uh, and it's only going to be sold at the brewery in Maryland. They don't even going to distribute it. Yep. So only if you're in and around the area can you get this um, 
slightly sought after yeah. gear, I guess. If, I if anyone made... happens to get a hold of this, my PO box is down in the video description. Yeah. I'd honestly love to try this. I wouldn't mind trying it myself. Yeah. I've had a couple of, of beers that have tea in it. In fact, Gilgamesh, which is right close to us, mm -hmm. has the infamous Black Mamba, which used to have caffeinated black tea. Yes. Which is no longer because of the laws in Oregon do not allow any caffeine. Not allow caffeine, ginseng, alcohol. or other special yeah. energy-infusing botanicals to be mixed in beer. Thank you for loco. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So they had to formulate a decaffeinated We also tea. can't do THC in beer or CBD in no. beer. You can do CBD and sodas, but you can't do CBD and ABV at the same time. But the but the thing is, you can go to a bar and get, you know, a whiskey and Coke and a rum and Coke, which has which caffeine, has caffeine and alcohol in it. and sugar. Whatever. Yeah. You just can't sell it. Okay. Right. But you that's a cocktail. You can also get, but, get a THC but Steve, drink think and of add the children. To it. I know. Think of the children so, ordering their whiskey Cokes. I, that's the, the kids that are going up there, it's like, I don't want a whiskey and Coke anymore, Mommy. I want a Four loco. <laughs> How about that fruit punch? No, son, you got to finish that rum and Coke before you can have your Four loco. But I don't want to. You're grounded. Any more lip from you, I'm not giving you your Maker's Mark cigar. <laughs> Bugger on, back to your room. Uh, that's how, that's how kids are, man. Mm -hmm. Just, you got to be hard on them sometimes. Yeah, Guarana. Yep. Anyway. Yep. All of the stuff that they put into uh, to the energy drinks and things like that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next. Uh, Budweiser. Um, are going to debut a new supreme beer in five test markets, including Ohio, Ooh. which they know a thing about supreme. Speaking of meth, yeah, this this is this is not. I can say that about be... all fifty states. Don't get up in arms, <laughs> yeah, Ohio. Of course you can. This is this is nothing to do with Taco Supreme, North Dakota. Speaking of, of meth, <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah, that's right. I meant be... all seven of you. Oh, okay. okay, I'm done. Okay, you're going. <laughs> you got any more meth jokes in you, Jeff? <laughs> I'm sure I could scrounge one up. I'm uh, sure they're pretty. You can, you can scratch one up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so Budweiser debuting a supreme beer. Not not uh, not anything with a little respect or anything like that. I love that, that just... it's five test markets, including Ohio. Yeah, I think it's just the buzzword, like. The, the area by the way this is on yahoo sports so it's not like even like uh, yeah a local I, I, ohio like hey you know look what? we're getting budweiser's just supreme beer it's just hey look ohio's getting something i'm 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 blaming this article on john because i'm sure he posted it. i'm i'm sure he um, did yeah yeah he's uh he probably got excited over it he wants some supreme beer now now budweiser is touting this as a supreme beer it's an american golden lager at 4.6 percent doesn't sound like supreme every other American right. lager domestic beer. Yeah. Now, the the only thing that's different is it's supposed to have a honey malt as opposed to adding Full a Full flavor of... taste, but combined yeah. with the American honey malt to create a crisp, silky taste, according to the company. So it's going to taste like maybe 2% less crappy? I don't know. I'm not a big fan of... 2% less crappy of 68%. 
ain't much to brag about. Because if if sixty eight percent is crap, yeah, I don't want to drink your sixty six. Like, I mean, if someone were to, if if one of us was the test market in Oregon, if one of the five test markets in Oregon, I would I would probably try it. I would still try it. I mean, I'd wait for John to buy it and then I'd try it, but I would still try it. And last but not least, before the Picard Episode 2 Season 2 spoiler cast is we, collectively the United States, uh, Mm -hmm. is getting a, are getting, because I guess there's more than one of us, are getting a Super Nintendo World theme park next year. That's right. Currently, it's only in Japan. Yep. Because the the Japanese love the Nintendo, and I can't blame them because it is a fun, fun console. Right. But we are getting a Super Nintendo World in uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, actually, it's been a long time since I've been to Universal Studios Hollywood. Me too. And, and I don't want to date myself, but... It, it, uh, it, the date didn't start with a two. <laughs> no, it did not. You, okay, I distinctly <laughs> remember this as a kid. Going to Universal Studios... And I've been to Universal Studios Orlando since since then, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood was the Battlestar Galactica ride, not the recent Battlestar Galactica. You know when I went, but, but the old Battlestar Galactica. Do, do, do you <laughs> know when Warren I went Green. to Universal Studios Hollywood? What was that? <laughs> we got to experience the Backdraft set. Oh, Backdraft! Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> It was Back to the Future and Backdraft. Those are yes, the two big yes, ones. Yes. <laughs> but now, hey, Super Mario World is coming. <sighs> it looked kind of fun. I mean, it looks like they got some. Suddenly, like, my back uh, hurts, and I. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, the Back to the Future ride was just notoriously jerky. Mm-hmm. Oh, it tossed you around like a ragdoll, man. I did get to sit in the driver's seat of that DeLorean, though. That was pretty sweet. Well, that was fun. Yeah. I remember going to the uh, the Universal Studios Orlando. And going to the Terminator ride, mm-hmm. and it and it breaking down on me. <laughs> <laughs> haven't been to the haven't been to Orlando. I've I've been to uh, Florida's one of well, I guess I've been to like fifteen states. Like I'm I'm not well traveled, but uh, I've done some traveling. Yeah, really ticks me off because I didn't get to travel at all as a kid, and all my all my traveling has been in my adult life. Like I. I reached age 24 with only ever visiting Washington and California. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> and I live in Oregon. And, no, I, I, and I was never more than eight hours off the West Coast in a car. Mm-hmm. Like, ever. Now, I had been to Spokane, and I had been to San Diego. So I'd been within, like, 15 miles of Canada and Mexico, respectively. Right. And, and everything along that path along the West Coast. But never further than that. Uh, since then, I've been to, like, 12 other states and mm. and I've I've done some traveling and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's why COVID pissed me off so much is it's like cuz you missed all that travel. It's like I'm going to go full time. I'm going to be a YouTuber. I've got I've got collaborations that I'm planning yeah. in in New York and Kansas and Florida and 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 all these other places it's like I'm going to get a like travel the states and blah, blah. and then I've haven't gone freaking anywhere. That's too bad. I haven't even left the damn state since 2020. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, there's no, when everything's shut down, there's no real place to go anyway. So. Right. 
I mean, you can go out in the middle of the woods and scream up into the sky, mm -hmm. but that's no fun. Although that is kind of like how the E.T. ride was on Universal Studios. <laughs> but no, as I said, because so you remember uh, the very first uh, vacation movie with Chevy Chase? Oh, yeah. And he, he planned that whole trip from, you know, Chicago and he went Windows all Windows up. <laughs> yep. We, we we did that as a family when I was younger. We we literally <laughs> planned vacations that we drove across the country to go visit. We drove from Oregon all the way to Orlando, then to Washington, D.C., and then back. And this was like 86, I want to think, uh -huh. I want to say. So, yeah. It was it was it was fun being a kid doing that, um, but I, as an adult, I, I I do not want to do that. I never want to do that. I'm just gonna fly, dude. I don't want to drive. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I could solo road trip, or yeah. or like road trip with like some some buddies. Like like if if the four of us wanted to go on a road trip, yeah, that'd be fun. I could totally yeah. do that. We could take shifts and I have three kids. Like that. Though. We can get there. Yeah. Like no. See, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. No. Put me on a plane or put a bullet in my head. Those are my two options. Oh, we got a super chat from Japan. Ooh. It's saying Super Mario World has been open for a few months, which, yes, it's been open in Japan. Yes. Try to go 10 minutes after the park opened. Tickets for Mario were sold out for the day. Yep. Which is one of the nice things about uh, the Disney parks is they have the park pass, so all the popular rides you can go in and say hey i'm going to be here at this time you can leave and do whatever you come back at that time you get to the front of the line yep super nice yeah uh steve is solidly older than i am there, yeah, there's a bunch I of people am. calling you old right now i know um, i know what's funny is is i'm actually the third youngest on this yeah show. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah. Steve and John are both older than I am. Now I, I'm I'm light years ahead of of Rhett, mm -hmm. comparatively. Yeah, Rhett just recently got out of diapers. That's why he got the right, job right. Jeff, so right. yeah, I could still afford him. He hadn't actually yeah. made it to a <laughs> real job yet. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know Jeff's ripping him, ripping him off. So, mm -hmm. well, what's funny is I talked to my sister recently who who got a a pretty good paying full time job. Uh, and, uh, and I said, yeah, I recently hired a guy and she goes, you're probably paying him more than I, than I make. And I went, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> First of a couple, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. So we have about 15 minutes. We want to get into Picard. Yes. Okay. Season two, episode two, spoiler cast. Yep. If you have not mm -hmm. seen Star Trek Picard episodes one or two of season two, uh, and you don't want them spoiled, turn away now. And I know that's not a good thing to say on YouTube for the analytics, but screw it. I want to talk Star Trek Picard. Oh, yeah. Um, so episode one ends with uh, you going, oh, Jean-Luc, mon capitaine, it's been too long, my friend. I actually like how they did that, how he looked young. And then he's like, oh. I called Ex that. Explain, explain the aging as, right away. As soon so as great. I heard that Q, that John Delancey was going to be back as Q, uh -huh. I went, he's going to go, Jean-Luc, you look so old. Hold on. Does that make you feel better? Like, yeah. 
Like, I knew they were going to do that. I knew they were yeah. going to do some de-aging for, like, a split second and then explain it like, I'm going to look like you look just to f*** with you. Um, yeah. And it was perfect. Um, that worked out good. But that was the end of episode one. Episode two opens up with Picard in this newfangled future that is uh, less now, the Federation now, it's that not, he knows. It's not a future. It's not a future. It's an alternate reality. It's an alternate re- uh, not, okay, not even that. It is the end of the road less traveled, yeah. as Q says. Think, 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 um, think back to the future, too. Yeah. So Something more like that. It's still the same time and, Martin and I guess we're still trying to figure out how different. Picard's mom is involved so yeah it could be back to oh, the future too oh did did you watch uh I don't want to give this but I really I really enjoyed it did you watch the red letter media review of the first episode of I, Picard I have not watched any of those now. Uh, I kind of agree with Rich Evans okay what uh, what did he say assessment. what what's what's his his prediction for the direction uh i have heard let, let me just say i have heard a lot of people think the borg queen is picard's mom that's right that's i what he said. fully yeah. disagree you don't think that's what it i is? don't think that's what it is you think it's just a red herring that they're throwing out there i think it is okay i mean that's fair because they, they kind of did that with the first season here's where the deal everybody kind of thought that the the romulans were the creators of the borg and everyone was thinking that right yeah they they kind of threw that misdirection and no it was more yeah. the romulans have this this predication to hate artificial intelligence because it went wrong for them so early on right. and and they didn't create the borg or inspire the borg but the borg were the fantastic ally that they could hate is kind of how it worked out um a lot of people are saying, well, the Borg Queen said John Luke look up uh on, on the bridge of the Stargazer. Look up, yeah. And and mm -hmm. you know, you got that flashback in episode one. Um remember, all of Jean Luc's memories are in the Borg consciousness because yes. Jean Luc was I, a Borg. I, see, that's that's what I that's thought. That's my too, theory. Like... And so the Borg Queen and and she showed this as as the Borg Queen, as the last individual living being of the Borg, when Dr. Girardi pulled her out of stasis, of uh, the Borg Queen's gonna F with everyone. Yeah. Because she knows everything about everything that has ever been assimilated. And so and she also has uh she is transversely aware of of timeline irregularities. Is kind of the way that uh, Seven of Nine described it. I see. That's that's another like just convenient explanation that they've I, never. I, no, no, no. Think of Star Trek: First Contact. The Borg I'm... have time travel technology that they can just okay snap. I understand that, but also in First Con Contact, the Borg were able to breathe in space. Yet last season, they killed all the Borg by venting them in space. Well, they vented them into space. Now they're not. In well, you know. The Borg cannot live without their organic components. That that's that's canon. That's that's the phrase that has been said. Like like all symbiotic relationships, they have to have both the electronic and the organic components right. to live. If you vent someone into space and they're just going to float away, eventually those organic components are going to die. 
but but in first contact they were just they were just walking without any suits on the top of the enterprise and, and we don't like fighting to th- everybody we don't like to think about how <laughs> slow death in space would be I, like I mean, it's not I the like maybe they could like it's not the hold their breath better or right it's or, not the eyes yeah. pop out instantaneously and your blood boils no mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. a 20 minute death it, it so it takes them a long time i, I think it takes I them a long like time you. um okay or there maybe there's mitigations that those borg had that there's some there's some reading in between the lines there but right. okay fair enough um okay. but you know in in season one of picard when they vented all the borg into space mm-hmm. yeah maybe they all didn't die instantly but I think a day and a half later, they all would be dead. And it certainly wouldn't be a painless death. So... Well, I mean, they could if they're, they could have severed nerve endings or whatever and not feel pain or whatever. Surprised we're not yes. talking about Strange New Worlds? I don't pay any attention to Discovery or its offshoots. I, you know, I, I, I am hoping upon hope. I'm, I'm hoping Strange New Worlds turns out to be good. I think it's... I'm hoping that Strange New Worlds is not the overarching... Uh, storyline mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back to like the episodic because that's that's really where i think that would it's have where star trek shines. strength exactly and if they go back to that i i would be super happy because there's a few episodes from a couple seasons of discovery where i actually enjoyed that were like that yeah um but the, the uh, character and if, and if development Rose... offshoots in the yeah like yeah. like even even in the depths of the Dominion War in seasons four five and six of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. we got to explore Quark's conscience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For like three yeah. episodes, uh, we got we got holograms gone wrong. We've we've oh, yeah. got uh, Worf dealing with his feelings of of rejection slash like I can't care for Alexander the way he needs to be cared for and. And so, like, yeah. I'm a bad parent, but I'm going to keep going down that road because that's the Klingon way. Like, yeah, that's what we're not getting with modern Star Trek is we're not getting the character development and the deep philosophical arguments of of oneself versus their own consciousness. Um, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, but anyway, we've hardly gotten into the first 30 seconds of Picard. Yes. Uh, so moving on, Picard's obviously mm-hmm. in this alternate reality, this, this mm-hmm. reality that does exist if a stone was cast into a pond and created a ripple at a certain point in time, it's kind of right. the way they've explained it in the past. Um, and apparently that ripple in time is 2024. Coincidentally, that's the time of the next presidential election. Yes. I thought the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we've became a fascist dictatorship. A, a xenophobic fascist you know <laughs> I, don't know. I i i don't i don't know where star trek gets off thinking they can like voice put a voice into politics but <laughs> <laughs> well not on a single point in because <laughs> this is supposed to take place when 20 2024 uh, is when it's supposed no, to no no 2024 but but starfleet or at least that time Flame was how far into the future? A couple thousand years into the future? Oh no, 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 no. No, this this is the early twenty four hundreds in in Star Trek Picard. Because twenty three ninety, I think, was TNG, twenty three twenty was original series. But but still, like um, that single point in time to I, I could I could see like someplace in the in the the the, the foundation of like like maybe like Zafran Cochran. Well, that was 2063, so that's so 40 years in front of us. 
yes, but still, that would make more sense. I mean, Zephyr than... Cochran is 20 somewhere walking around. We've got the Bell Riots to look forward to. Right. <laughs> but like, like even if they, if they had something about the foundation of the Federation, that something happened then, that yeah. would make more sense. Not, not two years from now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember like, you know, the original Star Trek where they had Khan. And Khan yeah. was supposed to happen in like 1997 or something like that, right? <laughs> but that had no bearing on on the. It was just like, oh, this is some relic of the past, right? And we just happened to stumble upon it, and we, they made a story about it. That seems that to me that seemed a little too far in the past, and it kind of had no bearing to it. And I, I'm, I mean, I, I I'm gonna still watch it, and I'm gonna reserve my judgment. But I thought it should have had more things to do with like the foundation of the federation than anything else that would make more sense but i don't know i'll wait and see what they do with it yeah um but we know from star from star trek canon that the founding of the federation was essentially at first contact with vulcan when zephyr cochran launched his first warp ship vulcans were passing nearby and saw a warp signature and discovered that humans had discovered warp technology and could travel faster than light and decided to land introduce themselves and immediately got introduced to rock and roll uh (laughs) (laughs) that was the real founding of the federation they got introduced to rock and roll yeah Yeah. right um yeah so that they they gave the vulcan salute and then zephyr cochran shook their hand and they're like what the crap don't touch me uh yeah i mean that's that's star trek canon up to that point but apparently back in 2024 a couple of years before the bell riots uh of which cisco apparently lived through uh <laughs> we got uh we have some junction or some pebble that was tossed into the right. pond that created a ripple mm-hmm. that went outward who knows what they could possibly be in 2024 mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in Los Angeles of all places. In Los Angeles of all places. I mean, whatever yeah. happens there that decides the future of the free world. Actually, I think I think that's 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 when um, uh, Mario World is supposed to open up, right? Is that what they said? 2023. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> no, just Next year. <laughs> oh, God, is it, it November? Please don't tell me yeah. Mario opens in November. <laughs> Mario goes crazy. Uh, <laughs> some Mario animatronics goes nuts. Yeah, it crazes, crazes, creates some kind of authoritarian Italian regime. <laughs> it's me, Mussolini. It's me, Mario. I will crush you, literally. What am I afoot? <laughs> I will obey. <laughs> Who are these Vulcan <laughs> bastards? <laughs> yeah. I'm, by the way, I'm sorry to any Italian viewers I have right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Picard awakes in this desolate hellhole of a xenophobic fascist regime of which he is the general who has executed yeah. like every alien leader oh, in yeah. the last 50 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was actually a kind of fun scene. Yeah. Where he's back at his chateau. And it's like, you know, more like um, modern Gothic than uh, yeah. French style. But he has this room, so French style, full of the, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Gothic, Gothic French, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with 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 a whole room full of his uh, the skulls of his enemies, yeah, which is like Gul Dukat and and uh, Martok, Sarek, yeah, Sarek, 
which wasn't his enemy, but you know. And well, whatever. it was in that timeline uh, who yeah, was in executed timeline. in full view of his wife and his son, Spock. Nope, uh, nope, nope. It wouldn't have been Spock. Because Spock, his half human, half Vulcan, and if that timeline proceeded, humans wouldn't have intergone with sure. Spock, and it would have been. What's what's what was Spock's brother from the Star Trek movie? Ooh. The one who went to go see God. What's his name? Crap, I can't remember. <laughs> it would have been him. Saren. No, that's Mass Effect. Sa- no, no uh, not Saren, <laughs> but Syok uh, or Spyok or something like that. I can't remember. But yeah, it would have been him. Spock, Spock wouldn't have been born. Two. Yeah, Spock wouldn't have been born. Yeah, because of that. Yeah. Uh, assuming but, that the human mother didn't still defect over to the Vulcans and have, I mean, a, have that, a bastard that, that child. That could have happened, but they, they don't really explain. But right. one would assume. One would, yeah. even had a, they even had a Ferengi skull there, too, right. which they don't really say who it was. Who but has to be the Grand Negus. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Maybe. Grand Negus Zeke. Mm-hmm. Inconceivable. Oh, there we go. Cyborg. That's what it was. Cyborg. Cybok. 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 Like four people. Thank you. Cybok. Yes, Cisco? Cybok. Yeah. Oh, Cybok. Um, a dystopian Mario. <laughs> <laughs> it's a world where Bowser rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they wake up there. Uh, Seven of Nine is Annika Hansen, president of the Confederation. Yes, not the Federation, the Confederation. The Confederation. Way to go, Annika. Like, I'm just saying, if you're going to wake up in a fascist dystopia, why not be I'll, president? I will be it? the leader. Right, yeah, right. of course. And and married to the, the second commander-in-chief? Like, I don't know. Like, don't... Don't, don't fornicate where you eat. I guess. Is, I think, the best explanation. Uh... Because at the end of the episode, it's her husband slash lover uh, who ends up boarding their escape craft, which they steal the Borg Queen so they can travel back in time, uh, shoots Elrond, uh, carrier of the One Ring. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. No, he's Romulan. My bad. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a weird, twisty, turvy episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, did it, you not love Spot 47? I, I kind of like that. Yes, that was kind of Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was okay. I, I, I don't know if they're going to reprise that at all. I, I died it, laughing, and I want that as a screensaver. It, it, I, I can't imagine that they You have seven new there. messages. <laughs> I can't imagine they wouldn't put that in there without reintroducing it sometime later. I bet right. they're going to do it. So Girardi apparently coded a virtual pet who is named Spot 47, which, by the way, is a reference to Elkars 47, which is yeah. the uh, the GUI that you see around me right now. This is Elkars yeah. 47. Uh, and uh, it's also Spot, which is a reference to Data's cat Spot, from yeah. TNG. Uh, yeah, I, I find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, that was pretty fun. I mean, they had they had some fun elements. Yeah. In this episode, definitely they had some overly convenient writing, which I was like. Okay, I, I I get it. They want to expedite the story, um, but uh, uh, it, it 
It wasn't horrible. It was a little eye-rolling, but it was still fine. I don't think it was terribly bad, though. Um, I understand that they had to they had to make it so that... You have to progress I mean, the story. And... Yeah. The, can I just say a main problem with modern television? They adhere to old television rules. Your episode has to be 47 minutes long. Yes. I You're know. not airing on broadcast television. Yeah. I don't give a right. crap if you're 32 minutes or an hour and 45. Tell the story the way the story needs to be told. I mean, the, the, the I mean, they, that's they one thing Mandalorian in, gets right is they do is, is you get everything from an hour and five minutes to 42 minutes. And however, the story needs to fit for that week. That's how it They'll fits put it in, in there. Yeah. And no, Picard is CBS old school paramount. no, a a one ep, a, a one hour episodic ten episode series means a forty seven yeah. minute runtime. They, they could have split this. They could have split this up into two episodes. It still would have been good, and they could have had a little bit better explanation about things. I mean, the, the very first thing was like I kind of I kind of liked it because right after they had the whole scene with the skulls and Picard's thing, they went over to Seven of Nine, who's now president. Mm -hmm. And there's like, okay, we're gonna have the briefing on the Vulcan War, and they already talk about Commander Cisco or General Cisco. General Cisco. General Cisco. And she's like, he needs more of a presence. He needs and, more. Yeah. Uh, and, well, they just mentioned him. They didn't show uh, him, but uh, give DS Nine some love. <laughs> At least mention him, right? Right. The problem but with just, giving DS Nine love is there's too many aliens on that. But then she just conveniently scrolls the screen and sees Rios's name. She's like, "No, no, no! I need, to, I need to talk to this guy." I want to talk to someone who's like in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah. Give, give me to, Corporal just, Rios. Could, just, just conveniently scrolled and saw his name. Oh, that was just convenience. Yeah. Right? Just there's Seven? so much Chris. coincidence. Oh, thank Christ! Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And I understand for expedience reasons they kind of have to make it like that. But they could have, if they wanted to split it up in two episodes, they could have wrote it, wrote it out a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I guess that goes with my problem with season one as well, is some of the episodes seemed rushed because they didn't have enough time to tell the story they wanted. Mm -hmm. And other episodes seemed stretched because they had to fit the 47 minute runtime that was required by their contract. Yeah. Versus like, like, I didn't like the fact that Rafi had to go to the planet and see her son who had a wife and a baby yeah. and a, like... Yeah, that, that helped explain Raffi's character. And if you want to explain that in an entire 25-episode season, you yeah. can do that with DS9 that or sense. TNG. Could, yeah, yeah, exactly. That would fit. And you could you could wrap that around uh, uh, some kind of scenario or something like that right. where it fit in with that. That's That would work because that's kind of how TNG and how Star Trek was. Right. You, you can but take no, three or four episodes a season yeah. simply for one character's development. But no, they had to unless you're Voyager, like, in which you just yeah, doesn't matter one episode to the next. No, I know. Perry Kim still an ensign. Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That would be that would be hilarious if they. So had. how are you different from the time that you left the Alpha Quadrant to the time that you got back? <laughs> well, Tom and Bellana had a had a one quarter Klingon baby, and yeah. we found a Borg who turned human again. Yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome if they had like ensign Kin. The, so did Tom the, ever the, reunite with his dad? No. No, no idea. No idea. They should have had Ensign Kim in this alternate universe, but he was still an ensign. Right. Like he's just like he's no matter where he's at, he's always I an ensign. I so <laughs> want Star Star Trek Picard to make some mention of uh 
like Captain Worf and, and he's on his ship right. and he goes, uh, uh, what's our sensor reading? And Ensign Kim just goes, we see no ships within visual range, sir. <laughs> just like this dejected. Yeah. <laughs> he's always an ensign. He's always over there. That'd be hilarious. That'd be amazing. That would be not the, you know what the, they should put that in, in every decks. universe. That would, you suck. That would be, that would be perfect for lower decks. Something yes. like that. They would just have him show up and be yeah. like, Oh, here's Ensign." Cause Kim. I mean, they introduce, you know, Tom Paris as like, he's yeah. on a plate for God's sake. Uh, just have like, you know, some random ship flying through and like, we're, we're meeting the, you know, another California class ship. Like the Cerritos yeah. is just a tugboat kind of thing. That's the joke. Yeah. You know, we're meeting the, the San Diego here, uh, yeah. here before too long. And, Ensign Kim will be our liaison. <laughs> Welcome to the San Diego. Diego Let me show yeah. you to the bridge. <laughs> Just some dejected mid forties. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you have career aspirations? Like, weren't you on the Voyager? <laughs> oh yeah, that. So what was what was your overall opinion of the episode, though? Um, I really enjoyed it. I. Star Trek Picard season one. I really enjoyed episode one. And then it picked back up around episode four. And then it petered off towards episode six. And then nine and ten were amazing. Like, like we got four or five good to great episodes. episodes, And then four to five that were just kind of... They're they're telling story. But they're not great. There's not a lot of character development. There's not a lot of story here that needed to be told, at least in the way that they told it. There's a couple of plot jumps that I didn't buy. There's a couple of, but overall, like I give Picard a C plus for, for season one. That's fair. Yeah. Like C plus B minus somewhere right in that range. I enjoyed it. I watched it twice. I'll probably watch it again in another run through. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay. Not great, but I enjoyed it. Um, so far season two, I will say the first two episodes are like B plus. Okay. Um, which I couldn't say that about Picard season one. Okay. I, I will say episode one, B plus to a minus, And I will say episode two, B plus, okay. uh, because they're telling a little bit more complete story. There's a little bit more buildup into the main conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Things that are leaving you hanging episode to episode mm-hmm. that are actually life and death that are like, like Elrond got shot and right. he's sitting there dying and Raffi is crying and, and seven of nine's husband is about to shoot her in the face yeah. and threatening Picard with like, your, your legacy is going to be traitor to the Confederation for rescuing a Borg prisoner. Like, yeah. like, yeah, it's a little cliche. Yeah, it's very cliche, yes. But it fits that timeline, and it fits what Q would do to them. And and I can't really argue against a Q alternate reality. Like like there's right. there's some there's some underlying theme that still makes sense in this universe that season one didn't have that cohesiveness. Right. And and I hope that continues through the rest of the season. I, I'm I'm pretty close to what you are. Just I'm a one notch below. Okay. So I'm more like a like a like a BB minus is kind of. And I think to that's totally is. fair. Yeah, and there's there's like a lot of like things that I thought they could have done better with the last episode. It was it was entertaining, but I felt it was rushed. Um, 
there was a lot of just convenient writing it just seemed to be to me um but uh overall i do think it was still entertaining there was enough fan surface to it enough new things going on that kind of kept you interested into it yeah um but yeah so just the yeah, same thing just just a little bit a little bit and lower Maybe I'm a little more cynical. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Marty says, I refuse to watch it, period, just because of Whoopi. I will say, Whoopi's only in episode one, at least thus far. She's only in episode one. And, um, and the thing is, it's the thing five is, minutes. I, I, I do have a problem with that, with Whoopi's uh, uh, showing. It was just, seemed to be shoved in there to put Whoopi in there. It really was. It was. Um, it was just shoved in there to be shoved in there. And, and there were explanations made that didn't need to be made. Yeah. At least, at least they didn't make it like the season one where they put uh Riker and, and Troy in there. That was so whole, shoehorned in. They put a whole episode they shoot in a whole episode with them in there. Yeah. Which meant Which is really just Riker nothing. making was, pizza. Red alert. Right, yeah. I was like, I sorry, burnt, burnt tomato. Tomatoes. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That was just dumb. Yeah. Like I At said, they it only, petered out about was, episode six and was, picked up in episode was, nine. It was shoved in there, but it was only like you said five minutes. Right. Uh and honestly as far as Guinan goes, it was a pretty good scene. Now, think what you will about Whoopi, but there is still some separation of the artist from the art. And and honestly, I can stomach five minutes of watching Whoopi to watch a hundred minutes of, of it Patrick was fine. Stewart. Like, it was fine. And Although, I I have to say, this is another... Not, not anything to do with the writing or anything like that, and not to be any detriment to uh a patrick stewart or anything like that but he is kind of really showing his age in these yes. in these things yes. um and I, I heard like next season is going to be like the last season they're only doing three seasons yeah they're only so doing far, three which is probably good because he he's definitely 90 he's 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 looking really old in these things yeah i mean it's it's he's he's noticeably slower yeah um, there's uh in episode one, you saw this uh, yeah. with uh, the Borg starting to come through the the anomaly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is Admiral Jean-Luc Picard uh, responding to the Borg hail or to, to, to your hail. And yeah. God, he was slurring half of his words. <laughs> and it was old old man yells at nebulous cloud. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what it was. Yes. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. I don't know if you came up with that or if it's a meme, <laughs> but I applaud you either way. No, I just... I That's great. Um, yeah. yeah, he's definitely starting to show it. Um, and and as much as I love Jean-Luc, I, I would do. also I do. love to see other characters start to pick up right. that torch. Yeah. And and I love seeing Seven of Nine and, mm-hmm. and Girardi and Rios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rios is a good character too. I mean, he could... <laughs> He, he could he could i could follow could rios do... for another four seasons yeah that's like they have some decent characters give, give me star trek stargazer and give me rios at the helm of a traditional star trek show and i'm not talking a cbs discovery subscribe to us online so you can see sequel database errors in a star trek show i'm, <laughs> I'm talking like give the original star trek writers some room to grow some characters yeah. and put rios at the helm of that I think it'd be a great series. It'd be pretty fun. Yeah. But only time will tell. We'll see if that happens. It was, there was, there was actually kind of an interesting thing um, that they brought up uh, on the, I got, I'm going to go back to the red letter media where they talked about kind of the progression of Star Trek mm-hmm. and how 
they only really had one Star Trek show going at once at any single time. I mean, there was sometimes there's some small overlap because I think Next uh, Generation from Space Next 9, Gen to DS9 to Voyager. There was there was like um, there was like some small overlap. There there them. was a three year overlap in in both runs, and right. so uh, TNG ran up to season four, and right. DS9 started with TNG in season four. Right. Uh, in season four of DS9. TNG went off the air and they actually struck the TNG studio and started filming Voyager as of DS9 season four. Right. And that's why Worf moved over and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, and so, so through the nineties, so you had that, yeah. that six year middle gap where there were two right. shows simultaneously running. Right. So at that any, was any one point, there was only two, right. but now we have like Voyager, Picard, Lower Decks. We have the Discovery, the Strange New Worlds. Yeah, we, so we got four, and then we get we're gonna, we're gonna get five, yeah. five simultaneous Star Treks. Yeah. They might be spreading themselves a little too thin. Um, as and, and long now they're as they have the budget and the people who want to mm, carry on the legacy and aren't just castaway CSI writers, because that's what's right, dooming right. Discovery. Is they're yes. trying to make it too much mainstream when yes. this really is a niche sci-fi thing. And I'm not saying that as an exclusionist. I'm not saying that as someone who is fanboying over like, well, 90s Trek was best Trek. What I'm saying is if you make every show like every other show, your show is going to fail. Yeah. Uh, if, if you take CSI's formula and you apply it to Scorpion, but you do it with half-assed writing and everything is a sequel break and we need to stretch an ethernet cable from a 747 to a Lamborghini in episode one. I'm sorry, uh, I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you can take some people who respect the craft, respect the art, yeah. respect the canon of Star Trek, who can actually write some stories for it, I think you'll be successful. Yeah. And so and, and far, I'm not seeing that with Discovery. I am seeing that seeing with that Picard. Discovery. I'm seeing it a little more with Picard. Not entirely, um, but more. Not entirely, but yeah, but more. Yes, I agree. I do agree. Six, you forgot Prodigy. No, I, I, I said, well, I, didn't, I couldn't remember the name. Yeah, I said Prodigy. the Janeway yeah, thing. The Janeway. The you Janeway. said Voyager. I said the Janeway thing. You said Voyager. Uh, did I say Voyager? Yeah. Okay, the it's Janeway Prodigy. thing. The Voyager yeah. thing. Yeah, Prodigy. Okay, yeah, yeah, Prodigy. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, we've got Picard... Prodigy, Discovery, Lower Decks, and and then and then Brave New Worlds and, Brave, and Strange New Worlds. Strange New We've Worlds, got yeah. five. Yeah. Is it Strange New Worlds or Brave New Worlds? Strange New Brave Worlds. Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. If you want something to be successful, you need to work with what made it successful. Exactly. And, and I, I think I think that's why a lot of people just hate Discovery because I don't feel that the people who are writing it actually are trek fans I, I i feel the same way i i yeah. feel it's the csi miami and the scorpion writers right. who got fired yeah. too early yeah uh, who they're are like, well, let's just go over here now trying to write sci-fi and they're like well how would we explain this tech problem oh i've heard sequel is a great way to explain a tech problem yeah, I know. you know what if you just swap out sequel for the bio bags like i'll fucking believe it yeah, <laughs> yeah something <laughs> demonetized there it is Yes. Uh, Although I do enjoy Lower Decks. Lower Decks is fun. Lower Decks is fantastic. Complete, and again, for completely different reasons. The reason Lower Decks reasons. is fantastic is they respect the canon. 
They, they respect do, the canon they, and they make respect fun of it. it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They, they respect it, but they poke fun at it still at the same time. Right. Which is kind of Which fun. makes it great. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Anyway, we are 20 minutes past the hour. Mm-hmm. And I've got to pee like a racehorse. Yeah. So <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I think it is time to call this right. a night. Thank you it so is. much for watching episode 227 of Talking Heads. Every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Make sure to drop this video a like. Smash that like button if you want, if that's your thing. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing. Join the Patreon down in the video description. Get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there and see us in the after party in about 10 minutes. Uh, yep. Steve, anything else? Oh, no, I'm good. Sweet. Let's do it. I'm that's let that's why I like you is you don't do social media. <laughs> I don't. You're just like, yeah, you said your thing. I'm good. Let's go. I'm good. Let's go. <laughs>